Acknowledge me. It's a new day. Yes, it is. I am Vaughn Johnson. Oh, smile like you can kick your face off. I'm done with that. You got me mad now. You know you got a bad tickle. Feeling good. All the skeptics and all the people have a little bit of energy again. Oh, it's live, pal. Sorry. I love purple. I was like, yes, <laughs> like this guy's awesome. With my main man, Pots and Pants, Nick McCone. That's me. Are you humanoids? Get ready. I don't know where the kid is that was a ride list, but he ain't on it when they brought it to the ring. Christian's a man! Oh! And I have passed the brain to see But I don't like it when things aren't going my way. Don't you I know my wrestling. Nick, he, don't know, he don't know nothing else. <laughs> you know that wrestling. Like he know that wrestling, boy. <laughs> he was about to hop over the table. What? <laughs> you are empty, break your heart. What a beast. Fuck. Boom. No sleep, no food. No nothing. Just maniacism. You got the water, man. Give me a hell yeah. I said, give me a hell yeah. What is up, ladies and gentlemen, out there in internet land, and welcome to episode 358 of The Straight Shooters, available wherever podcasts are found. My name is Vaughn Johnson of the Philadelphia Inquirer, and I'm joined, as always, by my main man, Pots and Pants, Nick Pocona, Fox PHL, the gambler and Philly influencer, and we have yet another fantastic show here ahead of us on episode 358 it is a deep dive of a wrestlemania variety it is wrestlemania 22 a patreon request all the way back on april 2nd 2006 we're gonna talk all about it because it is wrestlemania time the road to wrestlemania we're on the doorstep We are on the doorstep. We are recording this the day before night one of WrestleMania. So by the time you're hearing this, I know you you can listen to us as you're gearing up for this year's show. Come on and hang out with us as we talk about the show back in 2006. But before we get into it, Nick, I, I got to do my weekly check-in. How are you doing on this Friday afternoon, my good brother? I will say it's a great time of year. We got WrestleMania. We got baseball season starting. Not exactly the way. Us Phillies fans uh, yeah, that was a little enjoyed rough yesterday. that yesterday, but um, needless to say, baseball season is back. Let's hope hope we have a better uh, ending in October and November this year. But, uh, you know, we, we I felt like, you know, we recorded the WrestleMania roundtable before we record this, so that kind of got me hyped up. I had a real great time recording that. It's going to air 6 p.m. Friday night for anyone that's listening to this after the fact it is podcasted at P- foxphlgambler.com uh love doing the round table it was very entertaining doing it uh this time around but there you know that usually gets me hyped for the upcoming shows you know when we do that but i gotta say before we recorded that i don't know if it was posted the the uh, unveiling of the wrestlemania stage but we didn't get to talk about it on Bruh. the round table so I saw a clip of it. <laughs> Did you see the same clip? I'm assuming I I, just, I saw the one WWE posted. I don't remember. Oh, if it, I didn't see anything. If it was WWE. posted. Um, I don't know. I don't know off the top of my head right now. Know if it was posted while we were in the middle of recording our roundtable, or if it was before or just after. But I just saw it for like an hour ago, and I gotta say, man. Best ever, maybe? Bro, <laughs> like, I saw really? the clip, and I was like, that looks spectacular. 
and we just did last year our favorite WrestleMania stages, we did. right? We did. And we had WrestleMania 34 as our favorite. Yes, and I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> yeah, and that was that was our number one. I think both of us was number one was WrestleMania 33 in Orlando in 2017. Um, but from what the little peak I saw, I was like, that looks incredible. <laughs> like, Man, it, so I'm I, looking at it right now. Good to see Carmella there, Corey Graves. Right, we got yeah, yeah. got it, some other folks uh, here. Know, let's let's keep it here. Like you watch it, you give us your in, yeah. instant reaction. Oh that. wow, look at this! It's just incredible. Oh, the WrestleMania logo. I wish they just used that as a WrestleMania logo. Look at that. Yeah. Sometimes, Roman oh, that looks spectacular. Down, walking down that ramp, that looked like steps in that stadium too. That stadium was ridiculous. Incredible. Yeah, that's going to be incredible. Look at that. That looks amazing. And they got posters that rotate the posters. Yes, yes. Let's go. <laughs> that's hard. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of mad, you know, we, uh, you know, didn't really talk about that on the roundtable, but I don't, I'm not sure it was posted yet. So we didn't have a, uh, you know, time to perhaps, but man, now, now seeing that, dude. Man. Those entrances are going to be something else. Man. And speaking of entrances, WrestleMania 22 had some, some crazy entrances, which oh, we'll yeah. get into. But, yeah, this would be, this would have ranked this would rank high on the list yeah. if we redid the <laughs> list again. I, the worst that might have done was number two. <laughs> like, and especially, and that's not even seeing it in action, like with right, some exactly. people's entrances and exactly. stuff like that. Like, So, yeah, that's already, it fits the theme perfectly. I love the rotating posters for everybody. Yeah, let's see that. I can't wait. I cannot wait. It just and we said it on the round table as well. I it, I think we all felt this way. I haven't felt this excited for a WrestleMania in a long time. Mm-hmm. Like I'm here for the stage. I usually I look at the stage and that's cool and it's usually cool, but I think it's even cooler cuz I'm ready for the show. Right. Like I'm excited for the show and they delivered they delivered with a great main event. They delivered with some good undercard matches and they're going to deliver with a great scene, you know, a great look to the show, great aesthetic to the show. And it's an easy aesthetic. It's Hollywood. Let's go. It's easy. <laughs> like, yeah, it is. But yeah, this this stage and this and this this event, I am, I'm just pumped for it, man. Like, I can't wait. I, I'm two nights. I got the Saturday night. I'm gonna be hanging with the good brother Tommy Rowan, uh, watching the show. Is is like I can't wait. It should be a good time. Honestly, I, I'm so hyped, but. It makes me think, man. They, I hope they match. It's gonna be really tough to match this next year when it's in Philly. But yeah, you know, yeah. it's stuff to be. So they could, <laughs> they could do it, but but look, I mean, it, look, they like, had. Can they put it in motion? We'll see. The year before they came last time in WrestleMania 14 was like big culmination for WWE. Steve Austin is gonna be the champ. They had Undertaker and Kane. Like that was a big show, and they followed it up with an uh, show. But the main event was still yeah. good, so we had yeah. that. But yeah, it'd be nice if we had this show next year in Philly. Like that would be great. But <laughs> L.A. Here we are. But yeah, I'm excited. It's a good time, and it's you know good to see uh, you know all the other shows happening around WrestleMania as well. Usually, you're talking about the other stuff happening around WrestleMania, not really the card itself. You're talking about NXT. You're talking about SuperCard of Honor. Now it's like, who cares about that? <laughs> I want to see WrestleMania like, for the first time. We're here where WrestleMania is actually. Right, the, one of, if not the most, look forward to event. Right, there's, there's been multiple years where Supercard of Honor is the show to watch, or NXT Takeover is the show to watch that weekend, and WrestleMania is just like, huh, ah, whatever. 
WrestleMania is the the the, the main course this time. You know what I'm saying? Not an appetizer. Yeah. It is the, the reason why we're all there. And that's pretty cool. Absolutely. That's pretty cool. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's a crazy time. We're getting ready for this big show. But let's go back in time to April of 2006. Nick, mm. are you ready to go back in time to April of 2006? I, to I'm WrestleMania ready. 22? I'm ready if only because I kind of f- forgot. Uh, and maybe around that time frame, it was a little eh. But I got to say, man, I really enjoyed this show. So I'm excited to talk about it. Let's do it. This is a Patreon request from the good brother Chris Johnson, of course, yet again. Thank you for coming through again with your patronage. And, of course, when you put in a Patreon request, we allow you to make a cameo on the show. So, Chris, take it away, baby. What's going on, Straight Shooters? Chris Johnson back again, giving you my thoughts on WrestleMania 22, which you guys are about to deep dive deep into. This is the last WrestleMania that was inside of an arena before we went to stadium shows full-time the next year for WrestleMania 23. Dislikes about this show, the Booker T and Sharma versus Boogeyman match, yeah, no, not not digging that at all. Candice Michelle, Tori Wilson, the Playboy pillow fight, yeah, yeah, I skipped through that. It happened. It is what it is. When you had Undertaker and Mark Henry casket match, it was okay. Nothing really to write home about. Tag team title match to kick off the show between Carlito, Chris Masters, Kane, and Big Show. Eh, it was okay. It was a match. It was quick. JBL and Chris Benoit U.S. title match was decent. JBL cheating to win. Yeah, whatever. It is what it is. Things I did like about the show. The Money in the Bank ladder match with Flair getting superplexed off the top of the ladder, leaving and coming back. RVD winning the briefcase was the right call there. I thought that was a really good match with a lot of car crashes. The Mick Foley and Edge hardcore match was really, really good. Actually, no, let me take that back. That match was really, really great. Uh, Foley showing, helping get somebody's sadistic side over. Edge winning the match. You had Mickey James and Trish Stratus for the women's title. I thought it was a good match. Mickey James winning was the right call. I honestly think it was one of the best women's title matches in WrestleMania history. Probably top five. Uh, Vince McMahon, HBK, no holds barred. Fantastic match. HBK winning, showing off his sadistic side. Very underrated match in the history of WrestleMania. It's one of the best ones that's ever happened, especially for HBK in his career. Uh, the triple threat match with Mysterio winning the world title against Orton and Kurt Angle was a really, really good match. Great moment with Ray celebrating with Vicky and Chavo at the top of the stage at the afterwards, at the end. The main event, Cena Triple H WWE title match. Cena retaining. I thought it was a really, really good match. Fantastic match. The entrances for Triple H and Cena were both super dope. Cena's match, Cena's entrance especially was really, really good. There's a familiar face in the, his entrance, so that was really, really dope. All in all, it was a really, really good WrestleMania, one of the deepest WrestleMania cards ever. Straight Shooters, appreciate y'all letting me be on the re- greatest wrestling podcast out in the world. Hope you guys are safe up in Philly doing what you do. Catch you guys soon. Peace. Thanks again, Chris. We always appreciate you coming on the show. Appreciate the love as always. Calling us the best podcast in the world. With this is just it just love warms it. my heart. Love it. Just warms my heart. And, and it's true. <laughs> and it is. It's a fact. That is a fact. Uh, but you can be like Chris Johnson, of course. You can head over to patreon.com slash the shooters pod, put in your request, and we will fulfill that request. And you can make a cameo on this here show. That is patreon.com slash the shooters pod. And no, 
we are not related. All right. Me and Chris Johnson are not related unless we haven't done a 23 and me, nothing like that. But as far as I'm concerned, we are not related, <laughs> not officially. So, but WrestleMania 22, the 22nd edition of this here show, this Super Bowl of wrestling took place on April 2nd, 2006, eliminated from the Allstate Arena in Rosemont, Illinois. And there was an attendance, according to good old Wikipedia, Wikipedia of 17,155 folks in the building that night. Nick, hmm. where were you in life in April of 2006? Ah, it was actually kind of an exciting time in my life, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I had just begun a new relationship uh, with a, a girl who I was with for four years, about four years. So this was in the very beginning of it. Um, very much, uh, you know, she appreciated my love for wrestling, so she wasn't, um, you know, down about it, but she was not going to watch WrestleMania with me. Uh, so I, I wound up watching this, you know, by myself, you know, in my room or whatever. But, uh, you know, Saturday Night's Main Event also made a comeback during this uh, time period. That's a true. few weeks before this show. So uh, it's kind of like my love for wrestling got rekindled, even though looking back, 2005 was one of my favorite years in WWE, uh, just because I, I thought the stories they were telling were, were pretty good, and they were getting back to more of like a, you know, the old school style pro wrestling. It took them a couple more years to, you know, go to the PG rated, you know, programming. But, um, you know, this this era is, I, wanna, I don't know if I could call it underrated, but um, I enjoy it a lot more now, probably because the last few, you know, the last decade plus has been full of uh, a product that, you know, leaves us wishing for much more almost, you know, on a weekly basis. Um, hopefully this WrestleMania kicks that, you know, the bloodline story, you know, that's, you know, a whole different story at this point. But uh, overall, you know, this time frame, uh, not as bad as I thought it was as I lived through it. So, uh, yeah, you know, like I, I was, you know, still in college. So uh, still trying to find out what I wanted to do and all that. So, it was, you know, wrestling still in, in this time frame kept me grounded a little bit. And I, I loved every, I still loved everything about it, even though it wasn't as great as the Attitude Era. Um, but that was, you know, in 2006, nothing they could do would ever live up to that. Uh, and here's me, you know, in 2006, thinking the Attitude Era was the, the best part of wrestling that I'm ever going to live through. And that's come to, you know what's it now 17 years later i mean that's not true at all you know like i love wrestling for a completely different reason than the things we saw and the product we saw during the attitude era so um yeah it was very interesting watching this back and remembering how little i liked wrestling at that point just because i thought it wasn't ever going to get good again but it's actually you know the product's actually more resembles what I love about wrestling than what I, you know, loved about the Attitude Era or, or, or you know, along those lines. So, uh, there it is. <laughs> All right. Well, I was a junior in college, not college, high school at this point in April 2006. Not a junior in college. Not yet. Uh, but junior in high school, 
just hanging out, man. Watching <laughs> getting ready to go to no, I wasn't going to junior prom. I didn't go to junior prom. So I didn't go to I went to senior prom. Only senior prom. That's what the cool kids did at least, you know. That's right. Uh I didn't worry about a junior prom. Uh but yeah, that's what I was doing in April two thousand six. Just hanging out as a kid in high school, like what, seventeen years old at this point. But to your point, watching the product every week and in hindsight, I'm with you. I like this show a lot better than I thought I did. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, yeah. And it was like a tonal shift. It's like a it's like that. This show had a tone to it. It was like a very extreme show, mm. or hardcore, where you had the hardcore match, you had the ladder match, um, you had Money in the Bank, um, and even the main event had some. I mean, it was. I don't know. Did anybody bleed in that match? I don't recall if anybody's bleeding in the main event, but. I don't recall either way this was a more of a extreme hardcore show than you would find at a usually at a, you know usually find at a wrestlemania this kind of stands out because you got so many hardcore matches on it and it it kind of serves as a precursor to where they were trying to bring back ecw yeah in the same right, year yeah. uh but this is where it's like oh this is how it would look on a grand scale and it worked you know, but you know, that's neither here nor there. But I, yeah, I do remember, you know, being being okay on this show and being okay on this time period. Like it was fine, but this show in hindsight was pretty good. Not gonna lie to you. Yeah, and I think going into it, uh, we all thought, oh, here we go. Like at that time, a lot of the smart marks were just tired of Triple H, but you know they they started turning on John Cena. You know the the middle to end of 05 so uh you know even though the past the previous two years triple h lost to batista and chris benoit uh, they wanted him back on top it, it almost felt like he was just gonna go back on top even though he lost the last two main events and it's just like okay well you know cena is obviously not the guy so they're just gonna go back to triple h so it was very interesting heading into this time period uh heading into this wrestlemania really expecting Triple H to walk out as champion. Like, that was pretty much a foregone conclusion for a lot of the online community, I think. It's funny, because I didn't... That wasn't a foregone conclusion for me whatsoever as a kid. I don't recall that for me at all. I mean, I, I remember thinking that he could win, but I don't remember being like, it's a definite for certain that he's going to. Even though Cena had had the title for, what, a year? Mm-hmm. So it would have, you know, it would have made sense, but like... They wanted the babyface to go over again, and and they wanted this his this Cena, you know, Cena's Cena's first main event. They wanted him to have that moment of a main event against an established name, and they had to win. That's yeah, what they I, wanted. I think that's you know back in '06. You know, I I was just like everyone's booing him now. I, he's like rarely getting cheered, really. And I mean, the only I the crowd still reacted to him, yeah. But uh, I was like, oh, like. If they're not going to turn him heel, then they're just going to have Triple H beat him and stuff like that. And they, obviously, they were on the in the suburbs of Chicago, so that crowd mm-hmm. was going to be pro heel pretty much, uh, or really pro anyone that was against Cena at that point. So uh, I just remember, and you know, maybe I'm generalizing the online you know talk at that point, but yeah, I mean, I wanted Triple H to win because I was over Cena at that point. Um, it was more of a boring character. So, you know, that's kind of 
where what I was looking at going into this, it, it was like, oh, like Triple H again? Well, at least it's not John Cena. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's kind of where I was. Yeah, I put in my notes here that uh, we're you know in a unique time because we're into the John Cena era, and he's not only the champion, but he's firmly slotted into the final match on the show against Triple H, who is in hindsight, he's the guy that kind of jumped up the hatred of Cena by the older, more male audience, right? Like he was the guy pointing out Cena's shortcomings, uh, that or at least perceived shortcomings at this point. Uh, but again, it's this funny is his first. This year, Cena's doing that to his opponent. <laughs> right, it's funny how the t- how the turntables, right? <laughs> uh, but this was Cena's first WrestleMania main event. Yes, he won the title the year before, but he wasn't in the main event. That was Batista and Triple H. So he is firmly the top guy in the industry, as Jim Ross would say. And as proof of that, it's when he was swiftly moved to Raw after WrestleMania 21. <laughs> um, so. But the match, you know, as much as he's the top guy, this match wasn't as much of a coronation. It was more of a test. It was like a test to see whether he can hang in this spot against somebody like Triple H. It's not just – it's one thing the main event like a Judgment Day or yeah. uh, uh, Unforgiven. It's another thing to be in the, in the main event of WrestleMania against Triple H. If you have a bad match against Triple H, you must not be that good. Yeah. <laughs> right? So – but Chicago was audible proof that the reactions that Cena was getting was becoming more and more mixed. So it's like another test. It's like, can he actually hang? But the, the, the thing is about his reactions, not much had changed with Cena between the time he actually won the title and the time he, he arrives here in Chicago. Like, what had changed with Cena between 05 and 06 that uh, made people turn on him? Maybe his shorts. Yeah, that was really the only thing. <laughs> his, think, his shorts. I, I think more people... Uh, you know, we're still in that, you know, it's not the PG area yet, but they wanted to kind of see like an edge from, you know, the the top guy. And Cena didn't really have an edge, you know. they But they tried to make it seem like did. he did. They did. They, and they that, did everything think, they could to make it seem like <laughs> Cena was like from the streets. There's something <laughs> I talk about on this show. It's like, what were they doing with him? Yeah. And I maybe, think So maybe that was it, but I don't know. Yeah. I, you know, he, he felt like a poser he, maybe. He wasn't. Yeah, like he... You know, they chanted, you can't wrestle at him. So it's like, oh, we want a technical wrestler. Because, you know, even though Batista wasn't the greatest no. technical wrestler either. But Hell no. um, that story really was much better than, I guess, whatever Cena was, was doing. And obviously the year prior, Chris Benoit uh, won. So, you know, they wanted a quote-unquote wrestler, I guess. And uh, yeah, Triple H well, was the wrestler. Well, Cena was a top babyface getting booed, which is not normal. Yeah. yeah. Okay. This was very much not the norm. Uh, but here we are. <laughs> this is like yeah. the beginning of it, of the Let's Go Cena, Cena Sucks chance, yeah. which w- became such a staple of WWE programming that they actually had it in the video game. Like when <laughs> Cena would have matches, they would have during his matches, Let's Go Cena, Cena Sucks chance. Mm. It's like, <laughs> so for the next like 10 years, this is what he, this is what his reactions were through like, pretty much the u.s open challenge of like 2015 that's when people started to be like you know yeah. what cena's cool and I, that's me that's me i mean like you I, know i kind of liked him you know against the rock but yeah 2015 is when i completely uh converted <laughs> right cena stan and, and those mixed reactions kind of going away and people just appreciate you know him for who he is and what he's done and what he's accomplished and have admirate they respect him you know they respect yeah. what he's done his hustle his loyalty yeah. and his respect <laughs> It was like we never, we never saw behind the scenes like his training or whatever, but like 
in 2015, he was really uh, improving his arsenal that we saw in the ring. And I think that's finally when people are like, okay, like he he's not just like coming for the big shows and performing and then leaving. Like he's literally honing his craft out, outside. And I, th- I guess that's what most people wanted, but that's kind of how I looked at it. As bad as it is, you know, that, I mean, that's an unhealthy way to look at, you know, this business really. I think, I mean, that's just my opinion, but you know, I was, I was part of it. So, you know, when I saw that, it was kind of like, I finally was just like, you know what? He's not, you know, this jabroni that just comes in and, you know, wrestles, uh, you know, the, these safe matches and then leaves. It's like, man, this guy is like trained in way more than what we see in the ring, you know, just like Hulk Hogan. Like he was, he was a good wrestler, but like they didn't need him to be a good wrestler. So I, I kind of looked at that as John Cena. They didn't need him to be Chris Benoit inside the ring. It was John Cena. So um, that's kind of like how I finally started looking at it in 15. And I was like, man, I got to stop getting pilled by the IWC. <laughs> was 15 about the last time Cena was a, like a full-time guy? Like he would pop in and do some matches, but he wouldn't be around all the time. Uh, like week to yeah, week, he hasn't done that in a while. When you think no. about it, I, I want to say yeah. I guess the KO. Like he would come in and do like a run and then go away. Right, and he did the same thing in seventeen when he tied the record. Right, he beat AJ yeah, and, and then he came and he did the Miz match. Then he did the Miz and Maurice match at WrestleMania. Right. I don't recall yeah. him around too much. I think he did Roman Reigns at No Mercy that year too. He had a couple yeah. matches, but I don't think I don't remember him being on TV week after week. Yeah, when they we did can, the draft. Again, I think it was on SmackDown, right? So like that might yeah, that was in sixteen. Yeah, that was in sixteen. Yeah, time they wanted him to you know every week at have least a full here. run. Yeah, that's that's true. That's true. Okay, we gotta have a dis- that's a different discussion for a different day. But outside of Cena's unique reactions, we're also in a unique time because we're only a few months removed from the untimely death of Eddie Guerrero, which serves almost as a somber backdrop on the whole show. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, I mean, you said the fact that, you know, Cena Triple H is the main event. I was shocked that that wasn't the main event. The, you know, Ray winning, uh, you know, and them having that moment at the end of, of WrestleMania. But yeah, it was interesting. They pay tribute to Eddie by giving his good friend and a massive star in his own right, Ray Mysterio, a shot at the World Heavyweight Championship, which was a big deal in 2006 because Ray was purely seen as a cruiserweight. He had only done cruiserweight things outside of, yes, he would have matches against heavyweights here and there, but he never really challenged for heavyweight titles. I don't think he even challenged for the IC title at any point or had big matches for a U.S. title, IC title. Do you recall that? I don't. By I don't. 2006? I now, mean, he, he would he eventually... Have, but, you know, maybe a, a random smackdown here and there, but right. I don't remember him, you know, being a contender Right. Now, he would eventually win the IC title, and I think he might have won the U.S. title at some point, too. So he's held those titles, and he's defended them and whatnot. He's been the champion. But, like, at this point, that was a whole new thing for Rey Mysterio. And so it was like a big deal that a cruiserweight was getting a world heavyweight title shot. Uh, also, shout out to Rey Mysterio and the Great Muda because they're going into the WWE Hall of Fame, along with Stacey yeah. Keebler as well. Yeah. And so Tim how about White. that? Tim White as well. Tim White, congratulations to Tim White. The late Tim White, right? He passed away, yes, right? Yes, he did. Yeah. yeah, the late Tim White. So, shout out to Tim White as well. So, and all the WWE Hall of Fame inductees for 2023. Uh, but yeah, Rey Mysterio going after the world title in 2006. 
uh, was a unique deal. We're also a few months away from ECW's revival and DX reuniting. Yeah. Both of which <laughs> are kind of foreshadowed on this show yep. in various ways. They're harbingers of things to come. They're harbingers of things to come. But let's let's talk about the venue real quick. Let's talk about the All-State Arena, the Rosemont Horizon and Rosemont, Illinois, one of the historic landmarks in pro wrestling. I was just listening to Steve Austin on Up, Up, Down, Down. He was on their show for like the WW2K23 event they did a couple of weeks back. And he's talking about how he's talking about how much he loved that building. Um, but WWE still runs there, even though the show, this building is not in Chicago proper. All right. It's in Rosemont. It's in the suburb of Chicago, like you said. But wrestling just does fantastic there. Like the United Center has been there for like since like the mid 90s. Yeah. But they still run the Rosemont. Yeah. AEW doesn't even run the Rosemont. They run the Hoffman Estates in, in yeah. Illinois. They run the Now Arena. But Rosemont, for whatever reason, WWE still goes there. They went there last year, just in June for uh, they were there in actually December of 2022, and they were there last year for Hell in a Cell. So they just love that building for some reason. Uh, we've talked about you know the great wrestling arenas around the country. Uh, you know the sums that come to mind for me are Madison Square Garden. Of course, here you got the you know ECW Arena, Cow Palace, Sportatorium, Mid South Coliseum. I don't know if you had any others that come to mind for you as far as like the memorable wrestling venues around the country or you know, around the world if you want to go that far. But I think the Allstate Arena is among them in pro wrestling history. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Off the top uh, of my head, you name pretty much the ones that I would I would have yeah. named. So Yeah, Mid South, Greensboro Coliseum was another one, the Omni in Atlanta. Um just a couple others that were memorable places. Allstate Arena and opened Jam in <laughs> was that? And Jam Grand. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess we can throw that in there too. Yeah. It's just to be that it's like WCW. They hosted, they hosted the Royal Bash and Ready to Rumble, man. MGM Grand, you know, among other shows. So, uh, the venue itself, Allstate Arena, opened in 1980, according to its website, and has hosted WrestleMania three times, tied for the most in history. Mm. Do you know which other arena it is tied with? Oh, I thought you were going to tell me which WrestleMania is. Damn. Um, which other arena? Yeah, has hosted three WrestleMania times? three times. Yes. Uh, Madison Square Garden. Correct. Of course, 10, one, one, 10, 10 and, 20. and twenty. Twenty. Yeah. Yes. Which I now think we we thought it would be thirty too, but uh, that was. Uh, oh, I don't recall ever thinking it was going to be thirty because yeah, they were not going to go do back like to an arena. Years, which would have nah. been made next year MSG. Uh, like, but like Chris Johnson been. said, this was the last show to be in an arena. They were not going back yes. after that. Yeah. <laughs> WrestleMania twenty two was the last show. Which, by but, the way, even though it's an arena, I I felt like this was the best produced looking you know aesthetically like it looked like a wrestlemania even though it, it did was an they, arena. they definitely dressed it up yeah. they dressed it up beyond the what it actually great. is it, it this is a, like it was at a stadium almost. this is an older venue and yeah they made it look bigger than what it is and i yeah. guess maybe that's part of their configuration too but maybe they, you know it looks like a big venue but like wwe definitely dressed this up it's like i said this venue was open in 1980 they I don't know if they doesn't look like they've done a ton of renovations. <laughs> like we spot 2006, they didn't look like they had done a ton by that point. So it looks like an older building that WWE uh, dressed up. Uh, but now Los Angeles will host WrestleMania this year for the third time, but oh, it wow. won't be all in the same venue. That they have actually had hosted the rest WrestleMania three different venues. 
Okay, WrestleMania two and WrestleMania twenty, WrestleMania seven were in the LA arena, LA Sports oh, Arena. Yes. WrestleMania twenty one was in the sports was in Staples Center. Oh, wow. And then now this year's WrestleMania, of course, in SoFi Stadium. So f- three WrestleManias, or four WrestleManias technically. Four, yeah. Yeah, four, and three, three different venues. That's that's gonna be a trivia question. Yeah, three different venues: LA Sports Arena, Staples Center, and of course SoFi Stadium. Um, it actually could have been four if they didn't move from the Coliseum for WrestleMania Seven. It's, yeah, it could have been four for four. That would have been dope. <laughs> four for four. That, that close, man. It was that close. Damn, that would have been dope. That would have been crazy. Yeah, four different times and four different venues. Uh, but I think the same technically goes for us. Like how many shows they've hosted? I think Orlando's also hosted it three times, but the third was technically in 2020, and we know that was a very unique situation. Uh, Allstate Arena will all, probably never host a fourth WrestleMania because, uh, again, this show was the last outside of 2020, which was in the Performance Center, to take place in a venue that's not a stadium. Um, but yeah, you know, who is in line maybe to tie it? I was thinking, like in my notes, like who's in line to tie, you know, Rosemont for three times, right? I guess the Superdome. In New Orleans, is, you know, could always come up. Camping World Stadium has hosted it twice. AT&T Stadium in, in Arlington slash Dallas has hosted yeah, it twice. That, that'll definitely tie it. <laughs> yeah, MetLife Stadium has hosted it twice. Uh, but Dallas, you know, just hosted it in last year. So might be a little while until they get another one. Um, but, yeah, first time, of course, for WrestleMania in the Allstate Arena, the first time that they hosted it, I should say, was at WrestleMania two. Uh, of course, that was when they had three WrestleMania venues. What was Nassau Coliseum, LA Sports Arena, and Rosemont. And the second time Allstate Arena hosted WrestleMania was in 1997 for WrestleMania 13. It's hosted a slew of pay-per-views outside of WrestleMania, though. We were talking Money in the Bank in 2011. Hosted it again in 2018. Extreme Rules in 2012. That was Brock Lesnar's first match back in WWE. Of course, Money in the Bank 2011 was when CM Punk won the title. It's also hosted NXT TakeOver three times, right? It's also hosted the first ever Judgment Day in 1998 when it was still in your house. You know, it's also the home of the Chicago Wolves or the American Hockey League that is a Carolina Hurricanes affiliate. And it's formerly the home of the Chicago Rush of the Arena Football League, which is coming back. The Arena Football League, that is. I don't know about the Chicago Rush, but there's that. But, you ready to get into the show? Let's go. Let's do it. We start the show with Michelle Williams of Destiny's Child. Yeah. Singing America the Beautiful. Michelle Williams is a local product. She is from Rockford, Illinois. And she apparently was such a big fan that she requested to sit in the front row, according to uh, the announcers. But she, of course, is from, again, Destiny's Child. Do you remember back in the day how huge Destiny's Child was? It was big. They were big. Massive. Massive. I could just name hits off the top of my head. Like, I'm a survivor. Classic. Bugaboo, Bootylicious, Jumpin', Jumpin', yes. Soldier. Those are just a couple of songs. Right? Ladies, leave your bed at home. <laughs> <laughs> I got you with that one. You did. <laughs> I was expecting that. I... I was, uh, as soon as you said jump and jump and I remembered it was on Q102 every morning <laughs> when I was going getting ready to go to school so uh, it's like literally in the back of my head I could just yeah man I could just hear it say my name you yeah. know 
Bills, bills, bills. Bills, bills, bills. I mean, come on, bro. Can you pay my telephone bills and then maybe we can chill? I don't think you do. So, you and me are through. In scene. That's my dramatic reading of Bills, Bills, Bills by Destiny's Child. <laughs> All right. But Williams, though, Michelle Williams, not, of course, an original member of the group. She was, however, probably part of the she was a part of the most famous incarnation of the group in the last incarnation of the group as we know it today as destiny's child so uh she's probably the least famous of the trio i mean beyonce is obviously the most famous right. kelly Rowland's done well for herself but then there's michelle williams who's done well for herself and won a lot of gospel awards during her career after yeah. destiny's child so there's that um wwe while she's singing the, the america the beautiful they splice in footage of people hanging out with the troops yeah. and stuff like that, that you got weird. that shine down song uh, i dare you playing i yeah. did not love that song um the video package didn't then shifted to the matches and they featured mark henry versus undertaker in a casket match sean michaels versus Vince mcmahon in a lot not a lot of matches just in the no disqualifications match falls count anywhere no holds barred match the world title match is a triple threat. Rey Mysterio, Kurt Angle, and Rey Mysterio. Not Rey Mysterio, Rey Mysterio. Rey Mysterio, Randy Orton, and Kurt Angle. And then, of course, the WWE Championship match between John Cena and Triple H. And then we shift to the opening animation and another song. It's Big Time by Peter Gabriel. Why this song was chosen? Not sure. <laughs> um, so, you know, my theory is, wasn't he part of the band chicago or no or maybe he's from chicago uh, he's not from chicago he no. is from the uk oh uh, well never mind then uh yeah this song came out in 1987 hmm. he might have been in a band called chicago i don't know you could i mean i don't know if that's the case <laughs> hold on hold on i should have uh prepared but i don't think that's the case thing. Either way, Peter's terror was in, in there, but that might be the one I'm thinking of. I think it's more or less just like the lyrics of the song just spoke to Vince McMahon. And he wants, you know, he thinks of himself as he thinks of the show as big time. The lyrics so much larger than life. Like that's what he views WrestleMania as. It's larger than life. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, he's not on the list of members. So. No. <laughs> no. I thought it had like a Chicago tie-in back then. I didn't even care about it back, you know, then. But Nah. I think he just, that. like I said, I think Vince McMahon appreciated the lyrics and it spoke to him and is what he wants the show to be. But There is a lot of current members and former members of the band yeah. Chicago, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw, I looked up that list too, and it's like, wow. Like what? <laughs> they just keep going, huh? <laughs> Man, it look like the, the the Bears roster. What's going on? <laughs> um, we move on from that. We finally get to the show after videos and and people singing. We got Jim Ross and Jerry the King Lawl on the call for the Raw matches, and Michael Cole and Taz on the call for the SmackDown matches. You're probably wondering where the hell is Joey Styles? Because hmm. Joey Styles at this point was the lead announcer for Raw, yeah. and all of a sudden. WrestleMania rolls around and here comes Jim Ross and they explain this like oh I wanted to be here to see Vince McMahon get his ass whooped but in reality Vince just said hey Jay, Joey Styles you're going to have to sit the bench on this one outside of that one hardcore match <laughs> <laughs> yeah. come on in Jim Ross 
take us home, close it out. That had to be rough for Joey Styles. However, I will say, with with you know, it is rough, and I can understand how you felt some type of way. Jim Ross is better than Joey Styles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, way Jim Ross calls a match, I prefer to hear Jim Ross, and this. We'll talk about it when it comes around, but you'll notice it during the hardcore match when Joey Styles calls it, and it's like a shift, and it's like, okay. And I've never really heard them two back-to-back. You know, you listen to Joey Styles, he does the whole show. Jim Ross does the whole show or whatever. But hearing them back-to-back on this show, it's like, there's a difference. However, I understand if Joey Styles felt some type of way because – he was the guy putting in the work. You obviously believed in him enough to put him in the main spot on Raw just to yank the rug out from under him and said, hey, you got to do this one match. Or maybe he could have been like, hey, JR, I want you to do the main event, but Joey, you call the rest of the show. Yeah. Because I do think JR should call the main event. Yeah. But Joey gets the rest of the show. But I don't know. That's, that's neither here nor there. That's my feelings on it. Uh, before we get into the match, though, Let's talk about the look of the show. We talked about it a little bit, like how they made the show look, but let's talk about the stage. I think we talked about this last year on our rankings. I didn't love the stage for this. I love the look of everything else, but the stage... mm. Compared to, you know, obviously the grand ones and stadiums, I I don't like it, but uh, for an arena, I actually thought it was not bad. I, I, I didn't like the height of it, but... You know, like I didn't I, mind the height because it had. I mean, it helps. It helps to make it look tall. So yeah, like, because you, you, you're in an arena, like you like, said, you, you make it look big by making that look bigger. You make it look yeah, bigger but, than what it actually is. I also like the cr- the crowd behind the entrance as well. You know, if you had like that visual of, you know, the entrance doesn't take up a whole side of a, an arena. Um, I like seeing the crowd behind uh, the entrance as well. So that was the only issue I had with it. That's fair, but. I, I didn't really love it. I think the one from the year before, WrestleMania 21, was miles that better was that was than good. this one. I think they just, just like, a, oh, it's a building. Great. That's that's fantastic. <laughs> uh, they also had banners of everyone's faces on them around the arena, which is not usual. I, I, I wonder if that was like, does the building have a bunch of sports banners hanging up and they wanted to cover them up? Like, I don't... I mean, like, they, they were... Those banners... And the building are usually like in the center, right? So you, I guess, you wouldn't even see them. And they've been there before. Unless, they've been there after that, and they they haven't used yeah. banners like this. So I guess right. did they like was this their way of dressing it up? That that's what I thought. That was my first inclination. Okay, they just wanted you know that was WrestleMania, but uh, and they were in an arena for the third straight year. So uh, you know, I don't know if at that point they knew they were just going to do stadiums after this or not. But you know, it it definitely felt like. Uh, it, the aesthetic to me actually looked like a stadium almost. Uh, it did you know, look it good. It really looked big. And I it thought maybe, maybe, you know, when they, they put those banners up, uh, they just liked the look of it because maybe that enhanced, maybe it enhanced it. You know, I, I wonder what it would have looked like without the banners, but um, I remember I, I thought it was pretty cool at first. Yeah, it was, it was a nice little touch. I mean, I didn't hate it. It's just, you haven't seen it before or since. And it's like, I would I would be curious to know the thought process behind yeah. that. I'm sure there's a good reason. I would just like to know what it is. Uh, but our opening match at WrestleMania 22 is a, is what? It's World Tag Team Championship. Yeah. 
Carlito and Chris Masters versus Kane and Big Show. Okay. This is the this is an opener <laughs> at WrestleMania. Like this isn't usually in the conversation when I talk about the best opening matches in WrestleMania history, but not usually. Here we are. <laughs> um Kane and Big Show. I thought they were a pretty cool tag team for what they were. Kane's hairline though was wild in hindsight. Like what was going on? I'm saying he's supposed to be bald, but like or what what was he supposed to be bald? What what's happening? He had hair like in the middle of his head. I think because, you know, when he unmasked, uh the hair the front was shaved and then the back was like all wavy and, and whatever. Yeah. But then like they started shaving it, but then you know, for a few weeks and then they just let part of it come back. Like I, I don't it's know bad. if it was just the the and this is literally almost three years after he unmasked. Right. So I don't know. So there's no excuse. There's why. no like, oh, he's still adjusting. Like, no. <laughs> like just shave the whole thing. Just I, shave your like, head. I, I guarantee you this was a cane idea that Vince loved. So he's like, Yeah, it's like Kane, wouldn't it be crazy? People thought he, I was psycho if I just shaved half ridiculous. my head. And I was like, it really had nothing he he wasn't a crazy character at this point. He was just Kane. You know, right, like he was just big badass Kane. He wasn't so. like right. He wasn't like a mystery <laughs> mystery anymore. He was right. just Kane. So we, yeah, that that kind of didn't make sense to me. But you know, if you if you watched uh, his A and E biography, uh, his his wife was very not happy with uh, you know when he got a mess and what he was doing to his hair at that. I'm at sure that time. he was ugly out here. Like, bro, like, I understand. And they like, were live every week. It wasn't like they taped once a month so he could, like, you know, just grow it for that one night and then shave it. Like, no, nope, it was like that all the time. I understand. Like, right, like, you in character, all right, that's understandable. But this ain't, like, a prosthetic. This ain't makeup. <laughs> you got to wear this all the time. So even when we go out to dinner, we go to my parents' house, we go to the grocery store, you look ridiculous. Wear a hat. You're going <laughs> to pick the nope. kids up from school. I don't wear hats. Now you look ugly. <laughs> like... <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> What is going on? Like, no, I can understand why the wife was like, "What is what is happening?" I'm sure she loved the money that was coming in, but like, bro, you look ugly out here in these streets. <laughs> but I do like again, Big Show and Kane as a tag team. They just, I just like two grizzled old vets coming out here and teaching the young kids lessons. <laughs> like that's what they were, just two old grizzled vets hanging on. Speaking of the kids, though, it really felt like for me that in 2000. The WWE was really prepping Carlito and Chris Masters for big runs in 2006. Am I tripping when I, I remember I, that? Like, I thought so too. You know, they they were it made really to, felt like it. They were made to look really good in the Elimination Chamber uh, right. in January that year. So and throughout um, 2005, there was yeah. IC champs. I don't think Masters won a title, but I know uh, Carlito had a had, had well, the he IC had the title. Master Lock Challenge, and he kept you know beating everybody. Yeah building him up so that he became like okay people know who chris masters is now yeah it felt I, like I they were really was, prepping I, them i thought that those were like old school type characters heel to the crowd that you know I, I thought wwe was going more like traditional pro wrestling type thing you know coming out of the attitude era where carlito and chris masters were just like you know pro wrestling type heels and i was like that's that's cool like the brand split was still pretty, you know, stringent. You know, you had your Raw rosters and your SmackDown rosters, so you only saw these guys once a week. And I agree. I, I thought they were going to be set for big things. And, you know, I, I, I they, I guess they 
tried, you know, eventually, but I, I thought this was a perfect opportunity for both of them. And I thought, right. I thought they could have gotten a lot, you know, a lot of mileage out of them if they, even if without the tag team titles, but the fact they put them together and with the tag team titles, why not? And and now all of a sudden they're they're arguing after they lose. Like it, it, right, it just doesn't make any sense. And I, it, I it could have been mad great about that because no one cared about Big Show and Kane either at this right. Time. And they could have been great opponents for Cena and Batista. Like, Batista's going to come back eventually. Yeah. He's going to get the title back. Carlito could have been a good opponent for him. Or Chris Masters, if you wanted a big guy to go against Batista. And Carlito could have been a great opponent for Cena. He, they, they had history. They were feuding right, over the yeah. U.S. title in, like, 04. So, I, I don't know. I don't know what happened. It's just, for some reason, starting with this loss in this match... Against Kane and Big Show, things just kind of just went downhill, and I would just love to know why. Like WWE, again, was putting them over big in 05 into 06. Like you said, they had a great showing in that Elimination Chamber at what New Year's Revolution. So, and the people were always behind Carlito for whatever reason. People just love not for whatever reason he was cool, but like the spitting apples in people's face thing is nasty. But like I always like Carlito as well. He was always over with the folks. You can hear it even on this night. Chicago loved Carlito. Right, we talked about I think it was uh, Elimination Chamber in New Year's Revolution with him and Chris Masters. People were cheering for Carlito the whole time, and I, I think that was more even like appreciation for Carlito than it was just anti Cena. Right, when know? he beat Shelton Benjamin for the IC title and yeah. Vengeance in two thousand five, the fans were hella behind Carlito. So it's just like I, I, they just liked him. I, I just they eventually he's the paired first. Him. Paired him with like Flair, who kept saying he was lazy, and he right. only, he only, and I was just like, well, what's going this on? This is literally like backstage stuff, so maybe that's how he was viewed. But I mean, if the crowd is any indication for pushing, they don't um, give a damn. They did, yeah, they didn't care. They apparently didn't notice, right? And it felt like when you, when you, again, we talked about this in the roundtable that the first music we can hear Sunday. Or Saturday at WrestleMania, the first person song could be John Cena's. And at least for this specific song that he has, that's never happened. I know he's the first one out at WrestleMania 20. But for this song, My Time Is Now, whatever it's called, never happened. But that's an important spot to have the, the first person out has to be somebody that people know, recognize, and want to get behind. Like, oh, it makes them get want to get up. WWE sent Carlito out first on this show. My dog is did not agree with that decision. <laughs> she, but they wanted Big Show and Kane out first. Apparently, but they sent Carlito out first. I just don't understand what happened. Like you sent Carlito out first, that means you have faith in him to get the crowd on their feet, and he was a good choice for that because he was that kind of guy. So I don't know. And Masters, I mean, he wasn't that kind of guy but it was a pretty good heel like people liked him but I mean, people disliked him mainly because of his physique so it's easily he could easily garner heat because he's super muscular and people were jealous of that so well, i don't like know the same like character as lex luger when he came in <laughs> like right. three, which was like a good it's a good pro wrestling character right i, lo- that, I love that that always works <laughs> that narcissist character always works people always hate that guy <laughs> like so yeah and it had been a while I don't know. I don't know what happened, but it just didn't work out long term for them. But in this match, it didn't work out for them neither. They lose, 
You know, the match was fine, but Kane went with a choke slam on Carlito. Uh, you know, to me, this was uneventful, and and even worse, it didn't no favors for the young guys at the match whatsoever. Nobody wanted to see Carlito versus Chris Masters either. So no, it's like all right, you're you're putting these guys up against Big Show and Kane. It would have been cool for them to get, you know, yeah, they're technically heels even though they're being cheered by everyone. So you know, get, get a sneaky win so they become world tag team champs. But I mean. I, yeah, I didn't hate, get it. I hated. I, I hated everything about this. I didn't get it, but fortunately, uh, even though this was kind of a dud of an opener, it's kind of a weak opener. Things do go up from here. Yeah. On this show, uh, we're backstage with Jonathan Coachman, who interviews Shawn Michaels, who has a match against Vince McMahon later in the night. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think it was apparently supposed to be Brett versus Vince uh, that, that was in, in the making. But, uh, you know, obviously Brett was not there, as we'll find out later yeah, we'll, on. Yeah, Fink so will tell us that. They, uh, I I think the behind-the-scenes story was Brett was just uncomfortable doing much else. Fair enough. Uh, of, which no one can blame him. So um, they turned it into Shawn Michaels versus Vince because Vince was needed it? to have his WrestleMania match. Well, that, yeah, for, he did not have to be out there. But it wasn't a bad alternative uh, as far as, like, a match right. is to have Shawn Michaels, who was still, like, an active wrestler, go against Vince uh, instead of Brett, who was not an active wrestler and was recovering from a stroke, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, not a bad alternative. It, the story gets wild after WrestleMania. Um, but going in, the story starts because Shawn Michaels pretty much tells Vince to grow up. <laughs> like, like you are in your mid fifties. Stop acting like an asshole with your ass out <laughs> on national television. To have people kiss your ass. Like, what are you doing out here? And Vince didn't like that because that was true. But Vince didn't like that, right? And Vince hated Shawn because of it. Made his life a living hell. And now they're in a hardcore match. <laughs> and Shawn Michaels said that this wasn't going to be a five-star match like the one he had with Kurt Angle last year, which was that was a five-star match. That was cl- a classic. He said this is going to be a fight, and he's going to go somewhere he's never been before. And he also brought up God in this promo, which was a harbinger of things to come <laughs> in this story, to say the least. <laughs> uh, I had to explain to my wife that Shawn Michaels wrestles with God as a tag team partner. And she's like, so how the hell did they do that? <laughs> and so, like, they had a beam of light come down, right? And that was supposed to represent Jesus or God, not Jesus, God, right? Because we don't want to get too religious, just God. <laughs> you know, when some people you say Jesus is God, they might, they might get offended, I don't know. <laughs> it was God. Uh, my dog is offended by Jesus. You can hear that. <laughs> He's a demon, so it makes sense. <laughs> so he must have Finn Balor. <laughs> right. He's a little demon, so he hates Jesus, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> as my wife looks at me in terror as I say that. But great promo by Shawn Michaels, by the way. I thought this was well done by Shawn Michaels. Yeah, like, I mean, you know, that's really the story. I mean, what else can you really say? Be like, that's true. Um, kind of, you know, this isn't 
This certainly isn't the end uh, of the feud. And this went on like all summer, right? <laughs> oh like, my god! Geez, through the fall through even, DX. So. Yeah. yeah, unreal. But here we are. This is this is a good chapter in this story. But speaking of ladders, because we're going to see a ladder in that match later on, we're going to get a whole lot of ladders in this match. It's Money in the Bank. It is Ric Flair, Rob Van Dam, Matt Hardy, Shelton Benjamin, who's the Intercontinental Champion, yeah. Finley, and Bob Lashley. Big Bob Lashley. We got four announcers for this match. <laughs> Why not? We got both teams, Raw and SmackDown. This is an interpromotional match. So JR and King and Taz and Michael Cole. Now, you know me. I'm a two two person booth kind of person. Yeah. All right. Three is too many, and four is outrageous. <laughs> but I will say, I think the four of these guys work together kind of well. <laughs> like, honestly, I feel like they didn't step on each other too much. They work together kind of well. They, they had good chemistry. Maybe because both teams have had good chemistry. You know, JR and King worked together for years. And even by this point, right. Taz and Michael Cole worked together for a long time on SmackDown. Yeah. So they all kind of understood each other. They all you know, knew each other and what their strengths were and whatnot. They were veteran teams. Uh, so I think that's why it worked out. Uh, at one point, one example of this chemistry is at one point when Finley's walking out before his entrance. Uh, JR goes, oh, Finley's tougher than a $2 steak. And Taz goes, how much is a $2 steak? <laughs> And King goes a buck ninety nine. I'm like it was pretty funny. It was a funny exchange. But let's go through the participants here. We got RVD Rob Van Dam. This is his first WrestleMania since two thousand four. Of course, he missed two thousand five with a knee injury. Uh, Jr. said he was two and all WrestleMania, which I guess would be two thousand two when he beat William Regal to win the IC title, and in two thousand four when he retained, I believe, the World Tag Team titles alongside Booker T. Because remember they were. Uh, Taxing partners at one point in 2004 some for some reason yeah. um then we got finley making his wrestlemania debut at the age of 48 years old how about that i loved his character i did love finley and what, like, what a time he was like, like i remember thinking this guy looks so familiar in wcw he was like fit finley and I, was like, <laughs> I remember him i remember him he was the belfast bruiser before fit finley so uh, he changed his hair, you know. He made his hair all blonde and whatever. But it was so funny because uh, I like guys like Regal and Finley. I loved in WCW, even though it wasn't anywhere close to what like the NWO was doing. You know, like the the main event scene, which is why many people watch WCW. But I was always kind of like a Finley Mark. So I, I loved when he came back and he was like a a regular on SmackDown. Like, yeah. I just love that. He was one of my favorites. I, kind of surprising they brought him in. I mean, it had yeah. been in multiple years since yeah. WCW closed, and Finley wasn't on American television, I don't think, since. Like, I don't remember him even in WCW by the time WCW closed. I mean, was yeah, he still I there? Remember. I mean, maybe. Maybe he was an agent backstage or something. Yeah, but, but again. I don't think on screen I, I saw him very much, if at all. And I know he's been instrumental, at least in the past, of like helping the women's division in WWE a lot. I don't know if he's still with WWE at this point. Um, but at this he, point, it, I think he was on TV not that long ago. It oh, okay. like yeah, pull, you might, might be apart, right. Pulling yeah, apart, yeah, you're right. I, you're 100% right. But again, he doesn't get to this first WrestleMania until he's 48. So good for, for on Fit Finley for making a dream happen, even My at 48 years old. And I love to fight. <laughs> what a stupid <laughs> thing to have on the beginning of a theme song. <laughs> and I love to fight. And that's it. Okay. Um, but. Uh, we're 
you know, we're, speaking of old, we got Ric Flair out there who <laughs> is well past 48 at this point <laughs> and still had another WrestleMania match in him in 2008. Um, <laughs> he is doing a ladder match in 2006 at the age of 57. So there you have that. This is like two ladder matches. This is like two ladder matches for him in the span of like two or three months because he had one with Edge on Raw. Good lord! <laughs> for this, yeah, when Edge was Stop champion. Fifty-seven, mm. right? This is also again Bobby Lashley's WrestleMania debut. What his plans are for this year's show? Not sure. We'll find out. Um, uh, we didn't even talk about that on the roundtable, but uh, I, I think we'll see Lashley. Maybe that's. What uh you know one of the matches you know one one night has six and one has seven so maybe we see Bobby Lashley versus somebody. Somebody. <laughs> we got Matt Hardy. I think it's ma- making his first WrestleMania appearance since oh three. Oh wow! Because I don't think he was an 04 show. Don't recall him there. He was fired in oh five, and then here we are in oh six. Hmm. He defended the cruiserweight title in oh three. Yeah, that's right. WrestleMania nineteen. So. There's that, and we got Shelton Benjamin. Of course, he is the Intercontinental Champion. This would be his second, or his third, or whatever. I don't know. He's been at multiple WrestleManias by this point. I know that much for sure. I, know, I think wasn't he? Wasn't he in Kurt Angle's involved in Kurt Angle's match at WrestleMania 19? Uh, he was Team Angle, but that was uh, it was Brock versus Kurt. So were they involved in that? I don't even. Remember. I don't recall. But he was definitely at WrestleMania 20 because. The world greatest yeah. tag team by that point was on that show. I do remember that. In 21, I think he was in Money in the Bank as well. Correct. So, so multiple WrestleManias for Shelton Benjamin. Uh, this match, though, another fun match. Like, a lot of big spots. Uh, they get started off fast. Shelton Benjamin just runs up the ladder and does a senton outside of the ring. Like, that could have gone wrong in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Yet, it just worked perfectly because Shelton Benjamin pull, can, could pull it off. Like... Uh, Ric Flair takes a superplex from the top of a ladder from Matt Hardy. Uh, according to Matt Hardy, uh, he once said in an interview with uh, The Drive with Josh Graham, is what the uh, the show was called. He's, this is according to Sportskedia. Uh, this is what I got the quotes from, at least, or at least the, the story from, is that uh, Matt Hardy was approached by Ric Flair to do this spot. This is a Ric Flair idea, and he only he wanted to do this bump and will only trust Matt Hardy to do the bump because Matt Hardy was, uh, of course, experienced in ladder matches. But, yeah, this was a Flair idea. Of course, when he takes the bump, he goes, oh, my God, my back. But, of course, he's been in the, he was in the, uh, the plane accident back in the 70s. Uh, so now they're throwing up the X's, and the referees are trying to take his ass out of the ring because the old man hurt his back in the ring. Right, and then as he's walking away, he's like holding his leg. It's like, Rick, like, what are we <laughs> what doing? You doing? Here? <laughs> what are we doing here, Rick? Uh, if you gave Rick the, a chance to take that type of bump again today, he probably would do it. He, he, put would. It past him. he absolutely would. Wouldn't put it. Can't put it past Rick. Uh, he comes back though to get this. He's fifty-seven. Uh, doesn't matter. He comes back and continues the match. Uh, again, he is fifty-seven years old at this point in two thousand six. Uh, took another big bump. When Fit Finley hit him with a weapon, hit him with the shillelagh, I should say, uh, from the top of the ladder, which made him fall haplessly to the to the mat. Oh. Uh, again, fifty seven years old. <laughs> um, RVD hits a Van Terminator like move from the top rope into Lashley's back mm. while he was climbing the ladder ever so slowly. Oh man! Mind you, 
He just whooped everybody's ass in the ring. Bobby Lashley did specifically, like right? And then he starts climbing the ladder. And now he can't. He can barely move. <laughs> I could go horizontally, but vertically, nah. And I understand he's trying to wait for RVD to get in position, I guess, but it just makes him look bad. But it's like RVD should have already been in position as well. So yeah. It's like, y'all got to be on the same page during a match <laughs> like this because y'all look really stupid. That looked really spots. dumb. Like, And that's not the first dumb spot, and it won't be the last, but in these types of matches, I really wish people would be like in position just to do their thing way before they're supposed to do it because they make a lot of their competitors a lot of their fellow wrestlers look stupid as hell yeah yeah it made bobby Lashley look goofy on uh, this particular match here that's what i hate the most about it it, make, it makes them look dumb i'm just like well clearly like they're waiting for something like this is really annoying you know like i get annoyed by stuff like that yeah because stuff like that shouldn't ha- be happening as, as often i mean i guess i'm not in I'm not an insider, so I don't know what goes into it. But it's like, dude, get in position so you're, you're, the other guy doesn't look like an idiot. How hard is that? How hard is that? I don't know, man. <sighs> Apparently it's difficult because it happens all the time. <laughs> it's got to it be harder be than I think, but still, it's like, come on. By now, we're in 2023. You guys rehearse these types of matches like well in advance or you have like experience in them. Don't make your, don't make your like coworker look like a dipshit. <laughs> like, come on. Hey man, I guess it's hard. Not easy to do, and um, when you're doing it live, doing it live, a little harder to do, I guess. Um, but it still looked made Bobby Lashley look silly. Uh, Matt Hardy though, he had side effects to Finley from the middle of the ladder. Mm. RVD followed that up with a frog splash that looked hella painful. Uh, this frog splash came from the top rope, the top of the ladder. I should say, not from oh. the top rope. What is wrong? Was it came a lot a higher than that. Was that just a splash? Well, it wasn't really a frog. It wasn't really. It was definitely wasn't a five star frog splash. He can't get his legs like going, when, especially when you're on a ladder. It's like if he springs with his feet, like he's gonna fall right down. Yeah, that that ladder's going, giving out from underneath him, and he's yeah. dying. Like he's falling flat on his face. Because we're not seeing like the rest really hold the ladders down. No, it's just either they're just on their own. Yeah, he's yeah. up there on his own. No one's holding this ladder. He's at the tippy top of the ladder, and he just belly flops to <laughs> on top of Finley. It looked really painful. Yeah. It looked really painful. Uh, but it garnered the ECW chant, yeah. which is another harbinger of things <laughs> to come <laughs> for, for a professional There wrestling. goes that phrase again. Yeah, we'll see more of those. Uh, while RVD is climbing to the top of a ladder, Shelton Benjamin swoops in like Spider-Man, and everyone loses their minds. That was pro- that was. I got to give Kevin Dunn credit there because... I, I hate the way he produces things, but that angle to see Benjamin come out of nowhere, like I, I didn't expect that. And even seeing that, I was like, damn, that's actually awesome. <laughs> like JR said, Jesus yeah. Christ. <laughs> <laughs> like he, he's like he saw something he had never seen before. <laughs> Jesus Christ, this kid's an athlete. What? He just Stuck to the ladder like he was Spider-Man. Big boing, and is here I am now. Oh, my God. He is here. Yeah, people went crazy when they saw that. Um, RVD, though, kicked the ladder that Shelton Benjamin and Matt Hardy were on, sending them falling haplessly to the outside, opening the door for Rob Van Dam to climb up and grab the briefcase, making him the winner. 
And Mr. Pay-Per-View is now Mr. Money in the Bank. Hmm. Interesting. That was fun. That was. I enjoyed these early Money in the Bank matches because they were they were pretty awesome. Yeah. I mean, they still are. I, I do enjoy them still. But um, as part of WrestleMania, they were all, you know, this is the second year, right, that they had mm-hmm. it. So um, we're still, like, in the infancy of, of what to expect during these matches. But And that one was only, let, let me see, I have the time, 12 minutes and 14 seconds. So, like, from Wow, Bell, that's short. F- yeah, from Bell to Bell. A lot of these matches were short, by the way, on this night. It kind of gave me the old-school WrestleMania feel, which, you know, the – when WrestleMania started, there were a bunch of short matches to get, you know, as many people on the card as possible. So I kind of felt WrestleMania 22 was similar to that. A lot of short matches. And uh, I was interested to see RVD win because Edge won the first one and he didn't cash in until, you know, January. So he held that Money in the Bank briefcase for a very long time. Uh, you know, I, I was like, okay, like, okay, it's going to be another year or so before we see RVD do anything with this, or he's just going to lose it at some point. Um, but no, he, he cashed it in. Boom. June. So uh, it was kind of cool. A, a good launching He's point also, I think, for, didn't he win the IC title while he was also Mr. Money in the Bank? I mean, maybe. I think he had both at the same yeah. time at one point. I think. I could be wrong. But I'm pretty, I kind of re- remember him having the briefcase and the title. Which is a lot of props for him to be carrying around. <laughs> like he's got this empty briefcase and his title. <laughs> like, hopefully they took the briefcase from him. He didn't have to travel with that thing. Um, we're backstage now with Josh Matthews, who's interviewing Mean Gene Oakland, who was the first announcer ever to be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. Uh, he he's, he begins talking about the show, but Randy Orton, the Legend Killer, mm. he interrupts, and Oakland says, "Give me a break," and just leaves. <laughs> <laughs> he just loved. He had no time for Randy Orton's nonsense. Yeah. Randy Orton just looked at him like, "Okay, I, was, I wasn't done talking." <laughs> like, all right. Um, <laughs> uh, Orton starts to talk to Josh Matthews before he's interrupted by Batista, who is not on the show tonight because he is injured. He had to forfeit oh. the world title because of his injury. Batista's like, "Look, man, it don't matter who wins that world title match tonight because y'all just holding it until I come back." And he said, "By WrestleMania 23." I'll be the champ again. Y'all going to be the champ right now, but that's all right. I'll be champ again. He and he right. was right. He was. <laughs> <laughs> he was spending facts. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's speaking that into existence because late in 2006, he became world champ. And by WrestleMania 23, I'll be damned. He walked in as the world champ. He didn't walk out <laughs> as the world champ, but he walked in as world champ. He, he's a man of his word. That, that Dave Batista yeah. didn't lie. Not one lie told back in April 2006. Set a course, and he, he, he ran that course. Uh, but Gene Oakland wouldn't be the only announcer in the WWE Hall of Fame for too long because good old J.R. Jim Ross would join him the next year. So there's that. Howard Finkel's in the ring. Speaking of WWE Hall of Fame, he's in the WWE Hall of Fame, right? Yeah. Okay. And he's announcing the Hall of Fame. How about that? Yeah. Yeah, he's doing that too. But he's in the ring, and he says that Bret Hart was uncomfortable with participating in the WrestleMania festivities and decided to stay home. Uh, Brett was still mad at Vince, rightfully so. But Howard Fink was going to introduce the rest of the Hall of Fame class. Yes, Bret Hart was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame in 2006. He accepted the induction. He did a speech and nothing more, apparently. Uh, but the other members of the class, Gene Oakland, like I said, Sensational Sherry Martell, 
Tony Atlas, Vern Gagne, and William the Refrigerator Perry. Oh. First of all, what do you think of this class? Uh, I like it. I totally forgot that. Um, like, I don't remember classes, you know, like year to year to year. Yeah. So uh, it's funny. I don't even remember Brett not wanting to be a part of this. I just, what was it? The late 05 is when his DVD came out. So we were, and, and then he was going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. So it was like, okay, maybe we're getting somewhere and Brett will like appear. And I think that was, was they were trying to set up Brett versus Vince, you know, this at this WrestleMania. And Brett was just like, nah, not there yet. They would wind up doing it, you know, a few years down the road. But I, I mean, as a whole, this, I, I just love Brett at this point. This is kind of when I was finally realizing I loved a lot of what uh, Brett was a part of in early WWF and then even. You know, his WCW run sucked, but, I mean, was, <laughs> you know, like, he he was still, you know, the same character, really, at least when he got there, not his whole stupid, you know, Hollywood Hogan lackey t- type thing. So, this is kind of around the time when I was like, man, I'm a Bret Hart fan. Maybe yeah. I should, maybe I, like, my whole, about the screw job, I, I would always be like, just get over it, dude. Get over it. And, but then, like, his when his brother Owen passes, it's like... Yeah, I don't blame him if he never wants to do anything with, you know, Vince again. But Brett also is passionate about his own legacy in the wrestling business as well. So I think he felt this was part of his legacy, obviously, which is, I think, why he's gone on record saying he would like Owen inducted just because he feels like um, it would be good for Owen's name. Or, or whatever to, to be, you know, in, in that legacy, his wrestling legacy being remembered. So, uh, yeah, about, about this, like that was I didn't like Gene Oakland was cool, but like I didn't, I really didn't well, care much about the rest. Also, of it. <laughs> I forgot to mention the Blackjacks also were inducted to the yeah. WWE Hall of Fame, and Eddie Guerrero, which yeah, posthumously inducted yeah. to the WWE Hall of yeah, Fame. That, so that, I can't overlook that. I separated. That, these two in the notes because I went in depth to, for, to to the fridge, which I can get into in a second. But, uh, but Not surprised. <laughs> but of course, his induction was accepted by his widow Vicky Guerrero. Yes. Um, but and I wrote, "Damn, like Eddie's death still hurts." Like, yeah. And he gets a long and deserved ovation, and, and Blackjacks walk over and hold up Vicky's hand and tip their hats, and it's a very it's a really touching moment. And maybe I'm getting more emotional with age, but it's just like, damn, like. Eddie's still gone. Like it's that sucks. Like it's still is a missing piece in pro wrestling that Eddie's Eddie Guerrero's yeah. passed away. Like it's still like damn. Yeah, we we still you know imagine a certain things of that he could have been a part of where he and he right. could still be a part of it. And it's just like it's even when retired, you know, he could still be out here cutting these classic promos that we're just like, man, what will be where will we be without Eddie Guerrero? And now we actually have to think. This is where we are without Eddie Guerrero, but in the same in the same vein, yeah, man. you know, you have Ray and Dominic, which is almost like and they bring up Eddie. You know, it, it's almost like he's really never gone away. That's in, true. In he's been involved in so many angles, even yeah. people that's not related to him. We talk and, about and Sasha like, Banks, <laughs> who wore his gear pretty much yeah. to, to her first WrestleMania match, yeah. and yeah, he he has been like a presence uh, in. You know, pro in WWE specifically since his since his death, and Vicky Guerrero has become 
I mean, she went. She she might be a WWE Hall of Famer on her own. I I, I like, agree. I agree. Think about that. Vicky Guerrero became at one point the biggest heel in wrestling, <laughs> and she's still a fixture in wrestling. She's still involved with AEW, I believe, yeah, right? Yeah, her her contract's coming to an end. I think I think she has already said she's gonna leave AEW, but I don't know if that means she'll be continuing in wrestling with somebody else. But uh, she would get the biggest reaction. She would just come out and say, "Excuse me," and literally. There'd be a reaction going on for like five straight minutes, right? You so know, it's it, it's truly that, incredible. Something it's about great. that Guerrero name, man. It just she's not even a blood <laughs> member of the family, but right. she get that name, and all of a sudden she is in the WWE Hall of Fame potentially. But uh, that's wild how that works. It's wild how that works. Yeah. Um, but the fridge, you may not, you may know all these other people that we're talking about, but you may not know William the Refrigerator Perry. <laughs> Because we're like, who, who the hell is that? Why is he in the WWE Hall of Fame? And again, we got international listeners. We got young listeners. You know, even if you, you know, you might be from here, you might be too young to know, like, who he was and what he was back in the 80s. Let me tell you, he is a 6'2", 330-pound defensive tackle, defensive tackle for the Bears back in the day, back in their heyday of the 1980s. His stature made it easy to see why he earned that nickname of the refrigerator because he looked like one he was a monster at clemson in college and that made him a first round pick in the 1985 nfl draft of course 1985 was the year the bears just dominated the nfl only lost one game and won the super bowl 46 to 10 (laughs) okay so they destroyed everybody William Perry wasn't really a big contributor on the defense as much as he was a contributor just to the entertainment value of the game because they would put him on offense. So, like, he was a first-round pick, but they didn't need him on defense as much as first-round picks are usually needed. The Bears were already super stacked on defense. The 85 Bears defense is probably the greatest of all time. It ain't because of Fridge, (laughs) all right? The reason why he became famous is because they would put his big ass on offense sometimes. And hand him the ball. Okay, again, not needed on defense. That defense is already the best defense in the league in 84. So go back and go out there and run the ball, I guess. Mike Dicta got a, got a, got a hold of him. It's like, you're going to play some offense here. Okay? And he would just hand him the ball. And he would just pulverize people into the end zone. And then he got the, the idea to just keep doing that in goal line situations. And he was very useful because he was... Okay, but he was huge, obviously, but he had freakish athleticism for his size, which meant he hit the hole at a high rate of speed, and people didn't stand a chance. He hit the, and, of course, his, his coming out party was on Monday Night Football when he pulverized, I mean, just destroyed Packers defenders to score a touchdown. I'm coming and, and he became a national sensation after that. Watch out, we're coming hard! Yikes. But he was in commercials. Everyone wanted a piece of the fridge. He was, he had uh, a G.I. Joe action figure. He even appeared in an episode of the A-Team. <laughs> okay? And then he scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Walter Payton even scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Fridge did. Which is a little bit of a thing of consternation amongst the team a little bit. That mm. Payton didn't get the ball in that situation. But all of that made... William Perry, a participant in WrestleMania 2's Battle Royal at the Rosemont Horizon in 1986. And I guess that made him eligible for the WWE Hall of Fame. 
That and the fact that he could potentially sell some tickets and generate some local media attention in Chicago. Like that, <laughs> that helped, too. I'm sure the local news outlets had all had stories about Fridge being inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. But uh, he played 10 seasons. He actually ended his career playing with the Eagles. Uh, but, you know, there he is. William the Refrigerator Perry in the WWE Hall of Fame. Not in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, but in the WWE Hall of Fame. I wonder if he'll show up next year in Philly. As a former Eagle? Yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't foresee that being the case. I mean, maybe they just invite WWE Hall of Famers and he just goes, but I don't foresee that being the case. But we move on. It is now time for the WWE United States Championship. It is John Bradshaw Layfield challenging Chris Benoit. And, of course, it's always kind of wild to watch Chris Benoit in hindsight because we know how his life ended. And... Specifically, this time in his life, though, where specifically this event, by the way, I, I, I kind of, you know, we'll talk about the match, but I, I kind of can't believe, you know, what happened, in, in a way. But it's like, you know, we didn't know at the time, and obviously, there's no excuse for what he did. What he did was vile, and he does not deserve any recognition whatsoever. That's why it's always tough to talk about him. You talk about him in these matches, and I mean, sometimes you talk about him in a positive way, but he really doesn't deserve that. But at this time, mainly because of what we know now from the Dark Side of the Ring episode, that that that, that ep- his episodes, those two episodes that came out, I think in 2020, and they talked about how much Eddie Guerrero's death affected him. And how he pretty much changed after that. And that's what led to him killing his family and killing himself. So I wonder, I just like, what was this like for him? Because it's not just the fact that his friend died, but like everywhere he looked, they're talking about it. You know, that he's getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. You got his banner hanging up. You got Ray going for the title. And it's really about Eddie. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's kind of wild to that's, watch in hindsight. That's kind of like, you know what? Yeah, we don't know where he was mentally, even, you know, behind the scenes at this point. This Eddie's death is still fresh. Um, yeah, only a couple months removed, like four or five y- months removed. You know, from that. May- maybe they approached Chris about um, wanting to be part of a story, and uh, he said no. And you know, maybe that's why Ray was well, there. But I think Ray was a better option anyway. Chris had been why had been there, and I think it was good for Ray yeah, at that moment. Yeah, but. Uh, like behind the scenes more so than uh, I don't I don't know Vince uh, I mean maybe I mean it is Vince but uh, just the fact that all this is going on around him you know Eddie's death and then the Hall of Fame and then Ray going for the title and then he is in this spot and he's gonna lose <laughs> it's just like I don't know if losing a match cared it, it cared about that at all but it's kind of like you think about what he's going through in his in real life, and then he the same event that Ray's going to win the title in almost Eddie's name, and then he's just kind of here and doing what he's doing here. It's kind of just and JBL is doing Eddie Guerrero spots too. Yeah, that. and that's it. That's that's one how, thing I just was like I didn't I was uncomfortable with because I understand that like JBL knew Eddie Guerrero, so that I understand that I know he probably. Vicky Guerrero was probably fine with whatever they were doing. I'm sure they wouldn't have done anything that Vicky Guerrero wouldn't have signed off on. Any of his family members wouldn't have signed on. on. That, that goes for Chavo. That goes for Chavo Sr., whoever. Right? I'm sure everybody was fine with what <clears throat> everyone was doing. And again, I know JBL was Eddie's friend. 
but the guy had enough heat, man. Like it just felt like cheap heat to do it with to do the Eddie stuff. Like he had plenty of heat already. The JBL character didn't necessarily need heat. He had already done enough to Eddie while he was alive. It it almost felt mean spirited as the character, Chris, and than anything. You know, than than trying to get the crowd to boo him because the crowd was going to boo him anyway. It almost felt mean spirited towards Chris in a way. I mean, it just I don't know. It just it just didn't feel necessary for a guy, especially JBL, who was literally right. chasing immigrants across the border a the year before. So, like, he had plenty of heat. Uh, he comes out in a limousine every match. And, and in this right. one, he comes out, the ramp lifts up so he can come out in his limo. <laughs> all right? So, like, cool visual and all that, but, like, does he need that heat? I, I don't know. I just didn't. I didn't think it was necessary. You know, and again, this is also a character that was beefing with Eddie while just a year ago over the WWE championship. So I don't know. It just felt I just felt uncomfortable with it again. Understanding JBL and Eddie Guerrero knew each other. They were homies. And I'm sure JBL wouldn't have done it without the blessing of the Guerrero family. I understand that. But I just didn't think it was necessary for JBL to get heat because he could do it. He had enough already he had plenty of heat uh it was easy for him to get heat he didn't need to do this to get heat but that's just my opinion on it uh jb and then he cheats to win the match (laughs) like so like damn again he has heat just cheating alone could get him heat didn't need to do the, the the eddie shimmy and all that like i think he tried the three amigos at one point it's just come on, man. He just died. <laughs> Can we yeah. wait a little bit before somebody's getting heat on him? They had Randy get Orton getting heat on it, Eddie Guerrero too, and it's just like, come on, he just died. Like I understand you, you do feel feel good, but like, can we do we have to get heat? <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. It just didn't feel right to me. But JBO wins. He's your new United States champion. We move on. JR and the King, they're talking, and they bring in, I think they bring in Joey Styles at this point, right? Yeah. They bring in Joey Styles so he can call his one match. It's the (laughs) hardcore match between Edge and McFoley. And again, I said earlier, you know, (laughs) we're going to notice here, and I put it in my notes. I don't disagree with Vince's decision to put JR on this show, (laughs) all right? Because JR. Is better than Joey Styles <laughs> at announcing matches. That's just it. I, I still think JR feel was finally healthy enough, also like uh, recovered enough. What would he have colon surgery? That's why they kind of wrote him off. And Joey mm. came in. Uh, I remember they want. Remember they wanted Mike Goldberg. <laughs> I do recall that <laughs> from yeah. UFC. They they wanted him to come in, but uh, you know Joey Styles was basically the replacement for Jr. And I don't know if. You know the the planning for ECW to come back was more of a reason or, or not, but uh, a healthy Jim Ross and not ready to retire yet is definitely better than yeah. And <laughs> that's not a knock I, against Joey Styles. No, nah, it's just Joey Styles was very good at what he did. Yeah, but he wasn't better than JR, especially I mean, they not even tried to coach right, and that was just. Ugh. I think they yeah, I think they did try to coach for a little bit. I think they tried Joey Styles and coach for a little bit too. I think. Uh, around this time period, but he wasn't better than 06 JR, who was still in his prime as far as announcing, like still on his game. Uh, but it still feels crappy for Styles. I can understand why he would feel some type of way, and maybe it could have been handled better. 
Uh, but I still think JR is the guy to go to. Uh, <laughs> we start this this shenanigans here with a great video package, I should say, for Edge and McFoley. I thought that was dope. Uh, there's way too much virginity talk at the beginning of Edge's entrance, like during Edge's entrance when you're talking about the WrestleMania virginities and all that stuff. We don't we don't need Jerry Lawler having this conversation. We don't need that. Okay, that's not necessary here. Foley walks out. He's got an ugly flannel on, which is like a dead giveaway that something he's up to something. Okay, he's got something on for Edge underneath it. It's a dead giveaway, but here we are. Uh, they immediately go to the plunder, as Dusty Rose would say. And then Edge quickly hits a spear. But he, he's on the ground. He's writhing in pain. What happened? Oh, my God. He's in pain. How did that happen? He hit the spear. Shouldn't Foley be in pain? Oh, my God. Foley takes off the ugly flannel to reveal his real one and a, a, some barbed wire wrapped around his chest. <laughs> and Edge looks like he's legit bleeding from his arm. Good Lord. We're off to a hot start here. That was great. And Mick Foley whips him with the barbed wire. Right? Leader, she gets involved by jumping on Mick Foley's back while Edge is tied up in the ropes. But Edge, Foley, I should say, goes to clothesline Edge out of the ring while Leader's still on his back, sending her flying over the top rope as well. Wild. (laughs) Like, so many (laughs) wild spots already. Yeah. We're only like five minutes in. Okay? Uh, Edge eventually breaks out some lighter fluid and pours it all over Mick Foley. Another harbinger of things to come <laughs> in this match. Uh, Edge didn't use the barbed wire bat and busted Foley open. He got then got thumbtacks. Unfortunately for him, Foley backdropped him into the oh, thumbtacks. It looked very painful. Edge's face is amazing, mainly because it probably was a legit reaction to falling in the thumbtacks. <laughs> like, but Edge always has a great facial expression to stay, including on at WrestleMania 22. Then Foley in a hardcore match pulls out Mr. Sokka and it's like, oh, that's not hardcore, that's a sock. He's like, no, I got you, fam. Puts barbed wire around yeah. Mr. Sokka. <laughs> he elevated it, so to speak. He did. <laughs> hardcore elevation on this one. And then instead of going for Edge, he goes for Leader, who's back in the ring. <laughs> he hits her with a barbed wire Mr. Sokka. Yeah, for like five seconds. And that was enough to inca- incapacitate her. That, that's enough. That's all I need. <laughs> Only no more than that. Her mouth is bleeding. That's enough. Yeah, that was gnarly. That was gnarly. Uh, Foley uses a barbed wire bat on Edge. The visual of him grinding the bat across Edge's face yeah. while Edge is literally yelling in pain was amazing. An amazing visual. Already way better than I remembered, honestly. Yeah. I mean, the, the point of this match, by the way, we should talk about had never had a WrestleMania main event. Or not a main event, but a big moment. He had never had a WrestleMania moment. He had a WrestleMania matches, but never like a signature moment at WrestleMania. And because he was a special referee in a match that cost Edge his WWE championship to John Cena, he counted to three. Edge was mad at him. And he's like, look, look I'm going to give you your chance to get a moment at WrestleMania. Face me in a hardcore match. And Foley's like, hey, man. You don't want to do this because I, I can bring out a different side of me, and that's dangerous. And Edge is like, so what? Let's see it. And then he saw it. And like, oh, no, I don't like this now. <laughs> <laughs> they wound up uh, teaming together after this. <laughs> anyway. They did, which was weird. I did not like that. This cha- That chapter of the story. Uh, that was not as yeah. entertaining as this one. Right. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so weird stuff happening 
after this match. But on this match, we get the thumbtacks. Edge goes into them. He's bleeding everywhere. We get the barbed wire bat. And then Foley grabs lighter fluid and pours it all over a table. It's outside of the ring. He gets on the apron. It looks like he's about to do something. But then Lita hits him in the leg with the barbed wire bat. And then sets the table the on fire. I thought it was a low blow. Oh, low blow. Maybe yeah. I missed. I thought it was I like in the lower section. Maybe. I mean, it could I, be right. It hurt regardless. It hurts. Yeah. <laughs> barbed wire bat to any body part. It's like enough to put me in the hospital. Like, okay, let's just, let's just put it all the way out there. All right. But Lita sets a t- table on fire. We have a flaming table at a WrestleMania. Like, this is the ECW arena up yeah, in here. Yeah. Okay? This is an awesome sight to see at a WrestleMania. <laughs> like, okay? Then Edge spears Mick Foley through the flaming table and wins the match. Everyone sells this like it was the worst thing ever. Like, it was, it was incredible how everyone sold it. Edge, he's bleeding. He crawls over, and he's like, oh, my God. Foley is, like, on fire, damn near. Leader's like, oh, my God. The announcers are going crazy. The fans are going crazy. It was wild. Edge crawls over, pins Mick Foley for our second banger of the show. Edge defeats Mick Foley. JR would have had a better call. The crowd is into it, to say the least. My God, Mick Foley's flesh may be seared. Spear to the table, cover. That was great. It was just you hear that crowd, and then Edge's reaction after he's like shaking. Right, he's the, the one the that did the move. Face. Yeah, yep. He looks like an infected from twenty eight days later. He's got blood in his <laughs> eyes. Like he looks terrible despite being the winner. However, it did give Edge more of I dare I say, Edge. <laughs> this is the edge that everyone wanted seen it to have. <laughs> it this went is, to uh, edge. This is great. Yeah. Yeah. And this is where he really flourishes into the rated R superstar. Exactly. Exactly. I, I think before this, yeah, it was good, you know, he, he cashed in the money in the bank, beat Cena, but eventually lost to Cena and then was just hell bent on proving he was like another hardcore icon or, or even better than Mick. And then obviously it flourishes, like you said, into the rated R uh, character. It, it's really good for him. And he would eventually, you know, get back into the title picture, but it it was also the beginning of his feud with Cena. You know, they, they didn't yeah. touch until what July when RVD, you know, like got caught with marijuana and they wound up making him lose the title. That's where really edge and Cena picked up. And I think Edge was in a better position at that point because of this time frame to, uh, like, I mean, you said elevate himself and really become a legit main eventer. And yeah. regardless how many times, you know, he and Cena traded the title back and forth, it 
that's why we have that WWE rivals on A and E Edge and John Cena, you know, because of this Edge. Yeah, and so. in the same way that Foley gave, you know, uh, that Edge, you know, that uh, that aggressive side to The Rock and Triple H in years prior, he did the yeah. same thing for Edge on yeah. this night. Yep. Um, and it worked out for Edge. It worked out for the other guys too. So it's weird seeing blood. Mick Foley in WWE, but. Um, you know, there was still, you know, a lot of blood. You know, Vince obviously <laughs> gashed himself <laughs> boy, later oh on this night. So we'll get into it. We're, we're still in the blood phase of WWE, and it really does add a lot to these types of matches, I think. It really does. It adds Will to the we see blood this weekend? Who knows? Probably not. <laughs> not on the WWE show, but. Just accidentally. <laughs> not, not on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're now backstage, though, with Booker T and Queen Charmel. Who are both wow. super afraid of the Boogeyman? <laughs> yes, the Boogeyman is set to make his WrestleMania debut. Let's go. Booker T assures Queen Charmel that he's got it. He's got it under control, and he's got her back because they're they're about to do a handicap match against the book against the Boogeyman. This is funny because <clears throat> it's like it's Qu- Charmel is like Queen Charmel, but Booker is not King Booker yet. Not so yet. It's very interesting. Not yet. Uh, but then they walk down the hallway and they just see a series of wild <laughs> events. They see the pirate guy who I forgot his name. Paul Burchill. Paul Burchill. There you go. He's just swinging from the side on SmackDown. Yeah. Yep. What the hell? Um, <laughs> Why not? Then they see, they see him. He's doing stuff. They see Ted DiBiase kick the ball out of Eugene's hand as he's about to dribble to 10. Like the kid from back in the day. He kicked it out yeah. of Eugene's hand. Mm. Eugene, remember, the character's supposed to be special. Knees, you know, like... That's wild. <laughs> like, yeah. Kicked out of his hand. What a terrible person he is. Then we got Snisky licking <laughs> Mae Young's foot. Uh. And then we got Goldust wearing a wig and a dress, which is supposed to be weird. The only weird uh. thing to me is that he's wearing it over top of his costume. <laughs> like his costume is underneath. Like the Goldust outfit and then the dress over, over top of that. Like that, that <laughs> feels like it's hot. <laughs> Like nothing wrong with you wear the dress. Wear the dress. Nothing wrong with that. It's just too many layers. Ain't you hot? But I didn't even know Gold was he even Gold does even in WWE at this point, uh, like full time. I don't even remember. I, I don't. No idea. But this this was supposed to be like the after school special to teach Booker T a lesson in acceptance. You know, accept everybody for who they are. And then. Ted DiBiase just cackles at the end. He's a weirdo too. He's supposed to be rich. I guess that makes that's what makes him weird. Well, yeah. He's just evil. <laughs> just not a nice person. If anything, I don't know. he's like the most normal one in, in that cast. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, but... <laughs> all right. I mean, he's evil. So I mean, all billionaires are, but <laughs> they tend to be billionaires. Maybe you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. That was a wild segment. <laughs> <laughs> and literally, what uh, three years prior, he he's well, I, I guess he's not main eventing, but he's in a world title match with Triple H, who and should have won. And it's funny because this is what happens with wrestlers that are champions and then not champions, or uh, were in title matches and are lo- no longer in title matches. There's ebbs and flows to wrestling careers, and this That's is, uh, I guess, a flow. <laughs> <laughs> this is a valley. <laughs> compared to the peaks that he had in years other times in his career this would be a valley faux show like, even we, though you this is a prime spot at wrestlemania this is, is they got entrances and everything yep 
Yeah. Why? Don't know. This could have been. This would have been on a pre-show so fast in the pre-show era. <laughs> this got on the main card, bro. Oh, what is that? Listen. Months later, he's the world champ. He's king the world Booker, champion so. as King Booker. And everybody was calling this black man a king. <laughs> I am not mad at it. <laughs> it was a great character. I love it. It was a tremendous character. He was so it. stupid. He should. He was a European king. He maybe should have been yeah. like an African-esque king. But he was still a king. <laughs> and, uh, he had white guys in his court. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, It was a regal and Finley. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Tremendous. I loved it. Um, but yeah, we get that. And then we with the Snickers WrestleMania sweepstakes. They're being interviewed by Tom Grisham. The, the sweepstakes winners, I should say. Uh, they're being interviewed by Todd Grisham. They tell him they ate 11 Snickers <laughs> yeah. <laughs> during yeah. the show. Yeah. That's a lot of Snickers, man. Uh, that's going to make halfway through. Like, geez. Well, that's a lot of chocolate <laughs> and nougat. I can't, I can't even eat a lot of chocolate anymore. I guess my. Gives me like chest pains or something. Oh man, when you get older, you gotta watch what you eat, man. Yeah, you really do. This was that milk chocolate. I gotta go for the dark chocolate. Cool. It's supposed to be better for you, apparently. Yeah. So we then move on to see Joe Theismann and Michelle Williams in the crowd. And again, they said that you know she insisted on sitting in front row because she's that big of a fan. But did you know that Joe Theismann wasn't always Joe Theismann? Oh, he was. Joe Heisman? He was born Joe Thiesman. Oh. But when he's at Notre Dame, they wanted him to win the Heisman. They had him change the pronunciation of his name to rhyme with Heisman. So now he's Joe Thiesman. This is back in like, you know, people will put together campaigns for like politicians for the Heisman pretty much. So there's like Thiesman for Heisman. Mm. He didn't even win the damn thing, though. He came Uh. in second to Jim Plunkett. But... There's that. Who the fuck it? <laughs> Jim Plunkett, who beat the Eagles in their first Super Bowl and oh, no. Super Bowl fifteen. That damn Jim Plunkett. So I was like, no, I'm just playing. <laughs> I'm just playing. It's cool. Jim Plunkett's cool. Heisman Trophy winner too, I believe. That that Jim Plunkett. Oh, I just said he finished he second to Heisman. <laughs> just, I just said that. What am I? Duh. I just said he finished second to Jim Plunkett. Hey, he won the Did you know he won the Heisman Trophy too? Did I, did, I, did I fail to mention that? <laughs> How stupid is that? <clears throat> we move on, though. It's Booker T and Shark, Queen Charmel against the Boogeyman, who is in his WrestleMania debut. Charmel, I think, making her WrestleMania debut as well. <laughs> okay. Uh, is losing her mind throughout the whole ordeal. Uh, I don't know how this got a match at WrestleMania. Don't know, but here we are. Okay, Booker T has Charmel start the match. <laughs> She's in the ring, just so he can sneak up from behind on Boogeyman. I love how Jr. is like chastising him for it, and then he, he realizes, <laughs> oh, I guess it's part of their plan. But still, like, what the hell? Yeah, it's so dumb. Bo- Boogeyman ate worms, kissed Charmel. She runs away in horror, and Booker T lost. Not not before she stops <laughs> on the stage, turns around, and yells. Uh, obviously, <laughs> just for the camera, but that's always the funniest thing to me. Like she, <laughs> she's supposed to be so afraid she's gonna run away, but then she stops and like turns around and you gotta keeps get that screaming, visual, like, man. <laughs> get that visual of her screaming. Got to see her face. Like you can't just. Why is the camera by the stage then? <laughs> like you know, where she's running by you, so you can see it. But that that kind of made me laugh because it's like you're running away, but then you have to stop and turn around. Get she did that a good job and then of, run away. 
being like a horror movie screen queen, like I believed it. I felt like she was in a horror movie. <laughs> That's true. Like running away from Jason Voorhees, bro. I bought it. So good job on Charmel for making chicken salad out of chicken poop. Because <laughs> I believed her performance. That's for damn sure. Uh, but Booker T loses. There's worms all over the ring. And we should move on. <laughs> I did like the Boogeyman character. I'm not going to lie. Why? I mean, why not? It's like the Boogeyman's supposed to be a bad guy, but no, he's a good guy beating up uh, or, or like traumatizing bad people. So, Yep. And smashing a clock over his head and eating live worms. Like, it was great. Wild it was stuff, different. man. It was different. Yeah, oh, very different. <laughs> That's for sure. Not but, the kissing Charbel part, though. Not great. Just not, not. There wasn't a lot of great stuff involved in this in this year, but... We shall move on to our next match. It is for the WWE Women's Championship. It is Trish Stratus defending against Mickey James. Mm. And Jared Lawler brings up the the fact that, uh, you know, I forget the guy's name on top of my head now. The person who shot John Lennon was a big John Lennon fan. <laughs> and it's like this story is supposed to kind of mirror that tragedy, but that's still kind of a I wild thing to bring up. Uh, the person who shot Selena, like the – in her fan club or something mm, like the president of her fan club yeah about so that, that stuff do be happening yeah. unfortunately it's wild and even though that stuff happens and those are tragic situations guess who the fans chanted for <laughs> 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 they chanted for the yeah. crazy mickey james mm. and jr again this is not normal that you know fans are cheering for bad guys but jr's like he called them defiant <laughs> yeah the fans here in chicago they're they're defiant bunch you know, you're going to hear a different crowd. Hey, they, they do this whole explainer before the main event. Yeah. You're going to hear yep. some reactions that might be pro Triple H, but just know that's not the ordinary. That's it, not normal. <laughs> I, I, wa- I wonder if, obviously, WrestleMania 18 with The Rock and Hogan uh, made them more cognizant of these reactions, even though, you know, it didn't seem like they did that every year. But it was pretty blatant. It just felt like <laughs> you didn't have to point it out, though. Like, just go, just don't even, because you lean into it to that extent when you're trying to, like, warn us almost. And you're yeah, like, and you don't kind of explain warn the story us. You can, you, well, you have, you, more can say casual, it. you have more casual viewers, too. So they're not going to understand why. But I don't know uh, if they did the good back guy, then, though. The good guy is getting booed. You know, I don't right? know if they had more casual viewers for WrestleMania back then because it's on pay-per-view. You got three or four million people watching a Raw, but you might have a million sure or so Bars watching still on. Showed it, you know, maybe theaters I or something. Guess. I don't know. I guess, but like, you know, I mean, I, I'm, it's I'm still not, WrestleMania. You know? I, I could buy it more now because it's not on pay per view anymore. It's way more accessible now. So that just means more people are tweeting about it. <laughs> that too, but like, I just, I don't know. I just, I don't know if it was necessary to explain it to that extent. Like, oh, just be careful, just so you know. Um, but they did it in this match as well. Well, I, I was a good explainer, I think. I, I guess. I, I didn't necessarily need it. Uh, this match, though, was way more scientific than what you normally saw from the women around this time. And especially on this show when we got a pillow fight <laughs> as the oh, other yeah. women's match. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mickey James working a body part. You did not see that from the women a whole lot. Uh, but this match was great. This is... This was to this point, and Chris Johnson said this earlier, I got to agree, probably the best women's title match in WrestleMania history to this point. Probably the best women's match, period. To this point, absolutely. To this point in 2006. Now, they've raised the bar since then. Yeah. 
with the women's division. But for for this up until this like point, a, this, this was felt, this felt like a wrestling match, like a wrestling right, title match. This set the bar yeah. for a women's match at WrestleMania for sure, a hundred percent. And Mickey James wins, which I think How was that? surprising because she didn't win at New Year's Revolution. But I think it's still kind of surprising that she won here. But the fans were behind her. She was over. So, I mean. Yeah, I think it was more. I think they kind of messed up the ending a little bit. But because um, it kind of ended like right after a kick to the head. So, yeah, I, a little I think everyone expected, expected Trish to kick out. So, um, the reaction to Mickey winning was kind of like, huh? But um, I think if they had like a better choreographed, uh, there's that word, choreographed finish um, that they didn't. Uh, I don't want to say botch because I, I mean, I don't know what it was supposed to look like, but it just looked like they weren't on the same page for that specific, you know, sequence of events. Um, so maybe the crowd was just kind of like, huh? But uh, what, what cracks me up is right before the ending, uh, I mean, do you remember? I posted it on Twitter. Did you see my tweet about this match? I did not. So. Did you see uh, Mickey like grab Trish? Oh yeah, yeah. And, and so they censored that on Peacock for for yes, they did. Because um, you know Mickey did the they cut away very very uh, quickly, very hard cam. Uh, put put that hand that you grabbed Trish with up to her mouth. <laughs> put her tongue between the fingers. So oh, a little man. V-lick, a v- little V lick. But um, whoa, yeah. Yeah, and and uh, whoa, it's kind of like whoa. Like, <laughs> it's pay per view though, so whatever, <laughs> right? They definitely edited it out on oh, Peacock they though. They did. I even posted the video, but I was able to find the GIF of the unedited uh, version. And obviously, I have the VHS somewhere, so I'm pretty sure I have that. They didn't have to uh, sexualize it though. I mean, it's 2006. No, right, and, and that was like, Mickey's whole thing, where you know she could have just been crazy. Yeah, <laughs> and that's it. Yeah, so. Uh, they did that, and it just it made me laugh because you, the crowd shot shows this one, this older guy, <laughs> this older white dude, gray hair, glasses, and he's clapping, you know, like. And I'm it sure ma- it makes me wonder, like, if the edit is in the moment, or if they just chose a random crowd shot uh, of any time during the night and to just place there and just put the audio <laughs> over it. Like, does is it? A crowd shot of during the match or not? Like I, I don't. It just makes me laugh because somebody's like clapping and it's like, are they are they clapping because of what Mickey did or is it just you know from another place in the night in the pay per view or another match or something? So it just made me laugh way more than wow. it probably should have. Um, the edit, I, I, I mean, like the edit just made me laugh because I knew as I watched it. I was like, okay, this is clearly an edit. What did they edit? Yeah. And I forgot that she did the the V lick. So <laughs> the um, V lick. I don't know what else you call that. I, yeah. uh, I'm not going to try to find out neither right now. We gotta. <laughs> we got. We got. This is a family show. Um. <clears throat> again, this match was great. But yeah, um, and Mickey won, and you know, it, it was. I, I thought a good storyline to kind of for WrestleMania, but they, they could have done some things differently for sure. For sure. I love JR at the end goes, Mickey, get some help. <laughs> get some help. <laughs> JR, man, is the best. I don't care. Nobody say, um, we move on from that. We didn't get a tight shot of Vince's orange pecs. Orange I mean, like, oily really pecs. Dark, dark orange. 
Like Batman. so orange. If that man showed up at Star K97, he would have beaten Hogan. Oh sure. man. You talk about a bronze statue. And this bronze statue surrounded by his entire family, which don't look as tanned as he does. They're all normal complexion. Stephanie McMahon is pregnant. She is not hitting up the tanning bed. <laughs> Vince is making up for it. He's got, I got you. He's <laughs> so orange. <laughs> like a crazy person. And then he leads his family in prayer. A harbinger of things to come in this story. Religious overtones. Why? Vince is, cr- he's a crazy person at this point. <laughs> That's what he is. He's insane. And he's orange. Very orange. Couldn't be more orange. Okay, we didn't move on from that. It is time now for a casket match, player. <laughs> it is the Undertaker going up against Mark Henry. Undertaker coming into this match at thirteen and zero at WrestleMania. Spoiler: He gets to fourteen and zero. But Mark Henry, his theme music at this show, big trash. <laughs> like, <laughs> man, did he need that three six mafia theme so bad? That's an all-time classic. But this one, garbage. However, this is Mark Henry's first singles match ever at WrestleMania. Mm. This is his first appearance at WrestleMania since 1998. Eight years between WrestleMania appearances. Wow. And he was hurt a lot, too. So <laughs> Exactly. He's an OVW. Cool. Like he sent him down. Yeah. Yeah. But he wasn't at 05. It wasn't at 04. It's on like on the card. Was he at 03? I don't recall him at 03. Uh, 99, he was on the he was in the pre-show battle royal. Or 98, he was also in the battle royal. He's the tag team battle royal in 98. That's that was the opening match in 98. And he and D'Lo Brown was tag team partners. But in 99, I don't, he wasn't on the show, right? Like, don't recall that. 2000 wasn't on the show. 2001 wasn't on the show. 02 wasn't on the show. But here he is, Mark Henry, back at WrestleMania in a casket match against The Undertaker. Big deal. Big deal. This match, I think, is one of the more forgotten ones in Undertaker's streak. However, for what it was, I thought it was fun. I thought it was fun. It wasn't Undertaker's best. But he did a dive over the casket. That was pretty oh, wild. I think it's one of the first times barely, he did that. Barely missed the casket. He barely missed it, but he hit it. You know? And then he hit a tombstone on Mark Henry, rolled his ass into the casket, and won the match. Again, not Undertaker's best. And he'd have better matches in the years after this. Batista was a better match in 07. Edge was a better match in 08. Shawn Michaels, the classics. I mean, can't say enough about those. 2012 at Triple H. Even 2013 with CM Punk. But I thought this one... Was a was a nice showing for the Undertaker. It wasn't his best, but it was still a good showing for him and Mark Henry. I think it was like the start. Maybe the previous year against Randy Orton was like the start of a really strong uh, second half of his career, where I thought this was the best under- version of the Undertaker uh, wrestling wise. Uh, you know, from oh five, oh six, oh seven, maybe oh eight. Um, I'd go all the way up to 13 I, until I know, he, I know you go to 9, 10 because of Shawn Michaels and Triple H but um, you know just from these specific matches uh, I think The Undertaker really stepped up uh, became 
like I, I know the cool thing is like dunk on him now just because you know he's a <laughs> not a great guy I guess uh, outside the ring but um, you know it, he just had you know the previous month a great match with Kurt Angle who had just won the title like that was a world title match that was kind of the Undertaker that you know I I enjoyed watching the most out of his whole career like this era of the Undertaker I liked the most. At least in the ring, yeah, for sure. I agree yeah. with you on that. And I go all the way up to 2013 against against Punk. Yeah. Uh, after okay. WrestleMania 30, <laughs> I thought it was downhill from there. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. That's, um, yeah. But he hasn't really had a good one since. You, I mean, you wonder, you know, if WrestleMania 30 uh, would have been I'll, way better if he right. didn't get hurt. Um, and, 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 the bone, and the Boneyard match was fine for what it was, but, like, yeah. I'm not going back to watch that anytime soon. I'm sorry. Me neither. It is <laughs> what it is on that one, you know, but... Um, but Undertaker wins. He is now fourteen and zero at WrestleMania. Again, for what it was, I thought it was fine. Um, but we move on. We get a video package for the upcoming match, which is No Holds Barred. It is Mr. McMahon against Shawn Michaels. Boy, oh boy! Vince comes out and he's orange as ever. Shawn comes out and his stupid streamers get caught up in the rafters in the arena, and they stayed there the rest of the night. So great. They didn't anticipate that at all. What the hell? It's not. The best part about this match, outside of the act, we're talking about that. But Jim Ross is on the call. <laughs> and he gets his shots off on Vince McMahon throughout the match. Cussed his he cussed Vince McMahon's ass out smooth out during Vince's entrance. I mean, just laid into him. I mean, it was wild. Which made it even funnier when Shawn Michaels throws Vince into JR in the beginning yeah. of the match. Yeah. JR just loses it. <laughs> There's no commentary. It's just pure chaos. And HBK just whooping Vince McMahon's ass. <laughs> like This was like years in the making, this ass whooping. All right. Vince, I forgot he. I forgot to say during his entrance, he shows off his muscle and fitness cover. And yeah. He's all posing with his orange muscles and stuff like that. He looked more ridiculous on the poster than he did in real life somehow. I don't know how that happened. You're supposed to make him look better in the poster. Yeah. <laughs> he looked more absurd on the poster. Um, to me, at least. Um, HBK hits him over the head, though, with that muscle and fitness poster. Uh, sits him down in the corner and makes him look like a, like a goof. Make him look real stupid. Uh, Spirit, Qua- Spirit Squad comes out. They attack Shawn Michaels. Uh, but they they get taken care of pretty quickly by Shawn Michaels on his own. <sighs> Beat all of them up. Spirit Squad could have been so good. I, I guess, man. I don't think anybody's ever going to buy into that, unfortunately. At least not back in like, 06. You know, he, he got rid of them, and then they just disappeared. It's like, okay, you're not going to gather your wits about you and then go attack him again? Nope, nope, that's it. <laughs> no, they hurt. They too nope, hurt, man. <laughs> they too hurt. Pride is like, hurt too. I mean, the last time we see them, they're in the aisle way, and then no, that's it. I guess it was over. This is when I noted though, like only Jr. could call this match because he was cooking yeah. Vince the entire time. Yeah. Just I mean, cooking the him. last time, uh, the last time I think we saw Jr. and Vince do anything was when Vince was doing that colon. Doctor Heine, yeah, right? Yeah, Doctor Heine. So yeah, this is Jr. Like, uh, was. Long-term storytelling. JR was like, "That's that was a shoot, brother. I'm mad. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, forget this kayfabe nonsense. Yeah. You suck. 
<laughs> he was cooking him the whole the whole match, and it wasn't I like give a damn if you signed by Chucks. <laughs> it wasn't like oh, he's trying to stay within character and get over how evil Vince was. No, these were feelings. <laughs> these were feelings that Jr. was working through right before us. All right, he was getting these feelings off on on Vince McMahon, rightfully so. <laughs> cooking his ass though. Shane comes out though, hits Shawn Michaels over the head with a kendo stick. Vince then Vince demands that Shawn Michaels' face goes in his ass. <laughs> Let's do it now. Let's go. Let's do it. Even though it already happened, by the way. Already happened, but he like, wants it again. The WrestleMania moment, I guess. Once somebody's ass shoved into his face. However, Shawn Michaels turns the tables and shoves <laughs> Shane's face into his father's ass. As Vince is like, yeah. And Vince looks so happy to have someone else's face in his ass. He's like, yeah, get get deeper, yeah. It was his own son's face, though. Oh, <laughs> that's, right. that's so wild. <laughs> then HPK grabbed a steel chair and knocked the daylights out of Vince McMahon. Oof. Gashed the hell out that man on top of his head. He did. JR goes, McMahon's on Queer Street. Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what? I don't even know what that means. Sean turned up the tuned up the band to try to do sweet chin music, but opted not to. So no, I'm not gonna do it yet. Mm. Meanwhile, Vince is bleeding a lot out of the top of his head. Like you better hurry up before he bleed out. <laughs> Sean pulls out a ladder and is gonna use the ladder to elbow drop Vince through a table. He's like, nah, this ladder ain't big enough. Let me get a bigger one. And that's what he did. He got an even bigger one. All of this is happening also while Shane McMahon is handcuffed. To the top rope, so he can't do nothing. Okay, he's handcuffed. He's watching all of this. Okay, Sean Michaels mocks his little dance stuff like that, and why he's hitting them. That was a little fun. HBK gets the big old ladder out, climbs to the top, puts a trash can over Vince too while he's on the table, climbs to the top of the ladder, and does the the DX crotch chop. Oh, a harbinger of things to come in 2006. But he hits the elbow drop from the top of the ladder. And you think, oh, the match is over. I mean, doctors come out to help Vince. He's dead. Let's get him out of here. <laughs> Shane is like, nah, bro. Or Sean, I should say. He's like, nah, get away from him. Then I think Sean snotted Shane, which is disgusting. Yeah. That's nasty. Yeah. But then he kicked Vince McMahon's head smooth to Wisconsin. <laughs> and then won the match. The best part, though. It's after the match. It's Vince on the stretcher out of sheer defiance. Gives the middle finger to the camera as he's being wheeled out of the arena. It was like it was like the evil version of the thumbs up. It's like now yeah. we know he's okay. Yeah. <laughs> he's alright. He's got the middle finger out. He's good. We can applaud now. <laughs> but that was such a fun match. Yet another banger at WrestleMania. This was like this a hardcore WrestleMania. Not knowing the time, would you think that was over twenty minutes or under? That had to have been that might that might have been under, but it, it, there was a lot of dead time where Shawn Michaels was looking for was, like the, the, it, the ladders and the table. He was going through that whole thing with Sweet Chin yeah. Music. Eighteen minutes, twenty two seconds. Eighteen minutes, and they got that's, so that's much. That's a short in. WrestleMania match, you know. That's a short At least WrestleMania for a match, big but match. It, it looked like, or it felt like, 
longer, honestly, just based on the Man. story and everything going on. Yeah, they got a lot done in that 18 minutes. Yeah. And it was satisfying. So kudos to Shawn Michaels and Vince McMahon. Shawn Michaels, by the way, kissed his wife Rebecca on the way out of the arena. So that's nice. Whisper. <laughs> yeah, we're from the Nitro Girls, yeah. <laughs> Uh, we're now with Michael Cole and Taz, uh, who make fun of J- Jr. being very biased during the last match. <laughs> like, who you rooting for, Jr.? Who you rooting yeah. for there? <laughs> I like how they, I like how they, you know, mentioned that. Right, it's That's just like a funny. little banter between the teams. You know, they they like each other. You know, know each other. That makes sense. Or it's like uh, Taz is just happy he doesn't have to call a physical fan match. I'm sure anymore. I'm sure. We now go to a video package, though, for the upcoming match. It is for the World Heavyweight Championship. It is Kurt Angle defending in a triple threat against Randy Orton. And I wrote my first line here. WWE could not wait to use Eddie Guerrero as a way to get heat. (laughs) Could not wait. They did it with two different storylines going into the show. But, however... WWE did everything they could to make Rey Mysterio look like a sucker even before he won the title. All right. I know people say about, you know, talk about his reign as champion. But even before that started, they was messing around with Rey Mysterio because, yeah, he won the Royal Rumble. But then he lost his title shot at No Way Out. Right. Straight up lost it to Randy Orton. And then instead of him winning it back. Teddy Long says, man, it's all right. Here you go. And just gives it back. Uh, uh, the storytelling is so Because Teddy ridiculous. Long just felt bad for the guy. Ah, little fella. Here you go. <laughs> what? Doesn't make any sense. And it basically, with the video package at least, it made it seem like there was no story after that. It was just Rey Mysterio's in the match, and here we are, and that's it. And there really wasn't really much of a story outside of Rey Mysterio going for the title and trying to win it in tribute to Eddie Guerrero. Randy Orton was there to get heat, try to get heat on Eddie Guerrero, and then Kurt Angle was the champion. <laughs> like, yeah. So here we were. It was kind of thrown together, I'm sure. I'm sure it was like you know, a pivot from some other different direction they were going into because Eddie Guerrero passed away. However, it's still the execution wasn't tremendous, especially, and it did not do Rey Mysterio a ton of favors. But here we are. It's WrestleMania, and Rey Mysterio comes out with P.O.D. performing the song, which I think is still his song today. It's his P.O.D. version of his theme song. Do you do you recall that at all? I don't. Okay. The uh, Ray co- I pay attention to that much. <laughs> Maybe well, I should. That's fair. <laughs> Uh, Ray Mysterio came from underneath the stage at first, his normal way, when he shoots up from underneath the stage. But then he reappeared on top of the the, the stage area, that? on top of the Titan Tron or whatever you want to call it, with P with POD and his dope ass like Mexican headdress. It was dope. Yeah, yeah, I liked it. Probably one of the best entrances entrances of all time was Ray Mysterio's No Six. Okay, and the, the show had a couple great entrances. We're gonna talk about a couple later on. Uh, Kurt Angle though This was his final Wrestlemania match Until 2018 Oh wow When he teamed with Ronda Rousey To go against Triple H And Stephanie McMahon I said it before I'll say it again I love this version Of Kurt Angle <laughs> The wrestling machine Kurt Angle Is the best I guess I, Nah I man I, I, Chicago I You hear how Chicago Reacted to him They loved him too Yeah but Like I like the character When he, when he first debuted I, I like Oh three, like oh two, oh three angle. Uh, t- to me, I just look at him at this era, and I'm just like, ah, 
I mean, like he he just looks different. Like his body looks different. He's wearing the the different boots. Um, I love it. I don't know, man. I I love I, it. I, I couldn't get couldn't get into it. I loved it. Like, not that I didn't like watching him, but like it's not my favorite version of Kurt Angle. It's mine. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably mine. This is a rough time for him, but this was a, on screen, on screen, tremendous. Um, this match though, it was a good match. All these guys can go. I mean, let's face it, yeah. all three of these guys can go. And don't honestly, forget, I think the reason it was a triple threat is because they, I honestly believe they had nothing for Orton to do. Like probably, so it kind of yeah. made sense for for that storyline to happen. But it, what you said, you know, building Ray to this match was. Not, Tough. Not great. Not then great. in this match, he taps out. Oh, God, yeah. so, so does Orton. Orton taps out too, but Ray tapped out. But you don't yeah, you don't need Ray That's, to tap it out. You Orton just... is at least a heel. <laughs> right. Ray Mysterio is not a heel. Right? Y'all remember that, right? Okay. Uh and, the match and, itself uh, was this is what I don't like. And and I don't know if they explain this, but he waits until the ref's not paying attention, taps out, angle lets go. Like does is Angle not paying attention to the ref? Like, like why wouldn't you just keep it on until the ref starts paying attention to you again? Like that, that's the part of pro wrestling where I'm like, ah, right. that that logic gap, and, it's too, even, it's too blatant for me. Even like when Wharton taps out, the reason why it doesn't count is because Mysterio distracts the ref. <laughs> yeah. What are y'all doing? Yeah, I mean, well, that made sense because Mysterio didn't want to lose. So, but it's like. The fans already love Kurt Angle. Now they see him get screwed over twice. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> what are you doing? You got a baby face in there. It wasn't Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle wasn't a baby face at this point. At, least, at, at best, he was a tweener. Yeah. He was not a baby face. Yeah, because he was coming up. The only re- he, so he won the title on SmackDown because he came over from Raw. But after that Raw run, like he was feuding with John Cena. So he was still, right. like, even though people were cheering for him, he would. When he <laughs> showed up on SmackDown, he was a heel. Yeah, it's that uh, one of the promos he said, I, I could say I hate Jesus Christ, and they would still, you know, cheer me. <laughs> right, like, yeah. Was of, like, that wasn't that far before this. Wasn't that right. long before this. So, or we'll, <laughs> I'm not going to go further, but there were other things in that promo. That, yeah, um, we, yeah, we have to touch on it. I think I remember what he said, but that yeah. was wild stuff. Something about black people. <laughs> oh, he said the black people. I remember that. That yeah. was wild. I'll say it. It was this still wild. And this is months later, and now he's basically a de facto face. Right. So he was very much a heel leading into this. Yeah. But uh, here we are. But uh, Mysterio does win. He hits oh, a 619. Okay. <laughs> uh, I didn't know if you had enough from this match. Oh, oh, I will uh-huh. say Mysterio tried to go for a 619 on the ring post, and he slipped. Oh, yeah. And the fans booed that as well. They were on his ass all night. Okay. Uh, but yeah, uh, Mysterio hits a six one nine, and the West Coast pop to Orton for the win. The fans were booing all match, and they were booing Mysterio for the final sequence. And then once he won, it was like, oh, they started cheering again. <laughs> it's like, why not? It's like even when they wanted to boo him, they still like they didn't really wanna. Just like we didn't yeah. want you to beat Kurt Angle, but like now that you're champion, it's like, oh yeah, you know what? That's still pretty cool. <laughs> like, yeah, it's still cool. Ray Mysterio's maybe, champ. Maybe down deep down, they thought Orton was gonna walk away champion for some reason, because uh, you know, I, I still wasn't convinced Ray was gonna win either. Like I, I was like, okay, they're they're using Eddie's death, exploiting it. But then I could see them in, in this era uh, 
having Ray lose in the main event of WrestleMania and then go from there. Maybe, maybe they're going to continue with some type of story of Ray uh, losing <laughs> and tarnishing Eddie's <laughs> legacy or something. Oh, my God. Like, he tarnished Literally, literally that's wild. what Vince, like, you can't tell me Vince. What, I'm sure that was proposed by somebody uh, under Vince or not Vince himself. So, um, you know, I, I didn't know. I wasn't convinced he was going to win the title, uh, especially because I thought Triple H was going to beat Cena. So, um, you know, the fact that he won, I was just like, okay, let, let's see what happens. And you mentioned it. His his booking was one of the worst we've seen as champions. But, you know, it gave us King Booker, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> we did get King Booker. We did get that. That's that's a plus. That is a plus. Uh, but, yes, Rey Mysterio wins. He is a world heavyweight champion. This is obviously the highlight of his career. Just this night, whether you like the booking going in or coming out, this night is still the high watermark of Rey Mysterio's career, catapulting him into a different stratosphere that guys like him had never been in. Right. He's a world heavyweight champion. He beats heavyweights, Kurt Angle and Rey Mysterio at WrestleMania. He is the guy. Nobody that like his ilk, his stature, had been in that position before. So he's in uncharted territory for like a, a luchador of a major American promotion. He's in that space. This is what turned Rey Mysterio into the Hall of Famer he is today. So regardless of the booking coming in and out, this is still like, like I said, the if you point to one moment in Rey Mysterio's career is probably going to be back to this one. You can go back to Halloween Havoc 97, but you're probably coming back to this one when he won the world title. And you see little Dominic in the in the stands. Yeah. Little baby face Dominic. Yeah. Before he met mommy Rhea Ripley and got turned out. So became different. <laughs> he became rebellious. Right? Tearing up his merchandise his, uh, he, at WrestleMania superstores. He'll have his uh highlight WrestleMania moment uh this weekend, perhaps. He will, I'm sure. Uh, Rey Mysterio, he's met on stage, though, by Vicky Guerrero and Chavo Guerrero. Again, another touching moment, paying tribute to Eddie Guerrero. And as we move on. And, and that's cool because they, you know, you have those banners up and they zoomed in on Eddie and then zoomed out. So that was that was pretty cool. That was so. a pretty cool shot. I agree. Uh, we're now with JR and King. They're talking about John Cena and Triple H in the main event for the WWE Championship. And this was weird. <laughs> this whole little section here. Because I know it's verbiage straight from Vince. Yeah. It's not like yeah. these guys have this prepared on their own. It's like Vince wanted to prep everybody for what is about to happen for some reason. Explain the story. He just didn't do it and couldn't do it himself because he just got into a whole match <laughs> with Shawn Michaels where he was busted open. So and he's probably on his way to the hospital or something like that. Or getting stitched up or something. So he, here's JR to do it. And he's calling Cena controversial. He's different because he listened to hip hop in West. New he was a different kid in West Newbury, Massachusetts. He listened to rap. <laughs> I'm sure every kid in that damn town now listen to hip hop. <laughs> every single one of them. But back in the day, it was only that Jonathan Cena who listened to rap. Then JR talking about Triple H, and his, he enjoyed the privilege of bringing, you know, which reminds me of him asking for a tutor as a kid, a wrestling tutor. Mother, yeah, yeah. father, I would like the finest of shooters and workers to come to to me in the world of professional wrestling. Please indulge me, mother and father. That's how I envisioned that. But Jr. He's going to caution the viewers that Triple H may be cheered tonight because these are traditional wrestling fans, traditional wrestling fans who are going to cheer the traditional wrestler in Triple H. Casino was not traditional. He was unorthodox. He was the representation of this new generation. <laughs> like, that's what they made it seem like. 
which is like, what? Maybe that's why the fans didn't buy in because they knew that's that's what that wasn't what Cena represented. That wasn't what he was. He wasn't this controversial guy. He wasn't this hip hopper street street thugonomics guy. That wasn't him. He's a white kid from West Newbury, Massachusetts. He grew up in suburbia. Like I just love how he's the representation for the new school in 2006. That's not what John Cena was. Especially it's funny funnier now in hindsight considering what John Cena became, which was. The Saturday morning cartoon, <laughs> like he was a yeah. superhero. Yeah. He became as milk toast as you can get for the most part. By like 2010, he's wearing orange t-shirts that said "Never Give Up." <laughs> it wasn't like he was out here being do- the Doctor of Thugonomics too long. He really wasn't that guy at this point. All he did was wear jorts and wear throwback jerseys. Yeah. I guess that's what made him different on television. He sort of represented that on television with his attire, but he didn't live that life. That's just a style of dress, not a way of life. He wasn't living a thug life. He didn't really have a doctorate in thug- thugonomics, all right? <laughs> you know, they try to make Cena super blue collar when he lived, like I said, a life in suburbia. He wasn't, they, they would say, oh, the streets of West Newbury, Massachusetts. Oh, you mean the street? The one street in West Newbury? They got 4,500 people in that town. Towns generally that small don't have a ton of crime going on, I'm just going to say. So that's just my little spear on how they're trying to uh, promote and project Cena to the masses. It just didn't make any sense. It wasn't authentic, which is probably why the fans were reason why the fans were booing him. I know the fans were booing him because they didn't think he was good in the ring, which I also think is absurd, which I'll talk about in a little bit. But like that had something to do with it, too. It had to. It just had to. Right. I mean, Probably. <laughs> I mean, they, I just, they really, I don't know, man. after that whole Jericho feud when he first came to Raw, um, it's really when they started turning on him. I, I don't necessarily think they turned on him on SmackDown after he won the title. No, that's the and thing. He, nothing like, had changed with him. Yeah, like on SmackDown, he was the hottest thing. Yeah. So why is all of a sudden he's on Raw and it's just not clicking? It's not jiving with it's the not, folks. It's not. So I don't know. Uh, maybe but, the issue was putting him in a few with Kurt Angle because <laughs> people liked Angle even though he was supposed to be a heel like he was yeah, still I was like man if you you do Cena versus Angle we're going to cheer for the wrestler over anybody so I, I maybe it was that uh, but yeah I can't tell you what the I don't know majority of fans were thinking at least the fans that were vocal <laughs> well, I know what Vince was thinking when he booked his next match he was horny. Yeah, it wasn't even. They talked about this about Cena and Triple H, and it wasn't even the main event. Next, so, <laughs> it's like you couldn't Next do that, match. you know, like five minutes later. Right, we're gonna do before before that, before all this, you know, excitement we tried to build up for this main event. Let's do the Playboy pillow fight between Candice Michelle and Tori Wilson. Man, yeah. somewhere so. <laughs> JR said that they were going to do a Hugh Hefner rules match with Viagra on the pole, and somewhere Vince Russo was like, damn, how come I didn't think of that first? He's kicking himself. But the, the reason why this match happened was because both of them appeared in Playboy, uh, so that's nice. Uh, Tori Wilson put a dog's butt in Michelle's face at one point. Yeah. Uh, the match ended. Now, this is more like a match with a bed in the ring more than like a pillow fight. They didn't really have a pillow fight. It was just... It was just there. It's easily the low point. Tori Wilson wins, and Jr. goes, put, put away the bowling shoes. It's over. 
as a reference to his bowling shoe ugly That's comment. Right. That's right. Uh, but we move on from that quickly. The less said about that, the better. To the main event of the evening, it is for the WWE Championship. It is John Cena defending in his first WrestleMania main event against Triple H in what would have been, let's count it up real quick, 2000, 2002, 2004, 2005. So be his, this will be his fifth WrestleMania main event. Wow, that's a lot. Such gold Triple H there. Uh, we get a look at the press conference earlier in the week wait, between wait. these two. Was that? that? Yeah. Triple Triple H? Yes. Oh, okay. For some I said reason, I thought you meant Cena. No, Cena's first. Triple so H is clearly, fifth. Okay. I was going to say. Wait. wait. <laughs> uh, we didn't get, go to Triple H's entrance, which has like... This generic stock footage in the background like, <laughs> of the one shot of like of the one part where there's like the Motorhead song, the one Motorhead yeah. song that which eventually became the theme song. But it's like this generic, like a skeleton, like random people fighting. And, like, what was this stock footage they found somewhere they put in this video? But then here comes Triple H. He comes from underneath the stage on a throne, sort of like the one that Cody Rose used to hammer to break. The debut of the. The throne, I, I believe so. And it's the same kings. throne, yeah. He was calling himself the King of Kings at this point, and this is the same throne they bring to like access every year and they show off. And it's the throne that was kind of loosely based, they loosely based off of when Cody hit the throne with a hammer yeah. back in AEW, yeah, which is so funny now. Is he gonna do because, it this weekend, right? <laughs> <laughs> Cody is taking a similar journey as Triple H did back in 02. When he came back from an injury and getting a world title match at WrestleMania. But I digress. That's so funny. It was funny at the time when Cody did it too. I was like, come on, Cody. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> we know you playing. But Triple H comes out. He's looking like Conan the Barbarian. Yep. And he's got a massive hammer like he's Thor. He's got that new Motorhead song. Like I said, that will eventually become the Authority theme song, uh, which was a dark time in all of our lives. <laughs> But then we get Not a video package. Bad. It wasn't that bad. <laughs> <laughs> but then we get a video package with John Cena, which was hella bizarre. His whole entrance was bizarre because it was like the video was about how the mafia were like not bad guys because yeah. they just did what they had to do. They had the hustle and the loyalty and the respect. That's right. And I, I hate that, man, because as much as I love the mafia, I love it. I love all the movies and all that stuff. I love looking at the history. They were criminals, bro. Like, <laughs> why do they always glorify these dudes like they wasn't killers? They killed people. They would have never did this with the Crips. The Crips, they defended the neighborhood. Here they are. They did what they had to do to defend to defend their neighborhood. It's like, no, they would call them criminals and throw them in jail. But Al Capone gets a video package before John Cena's entrance at WrestleMania. No, no, we're not gonna do that. It was was it okay? They were mentioning the Chicago outfit. Like, what y'all doing? They ain't show black guys doing that. It just it was nuts. Then Cena comes out with mafia guys holding guns. Yeah, CM Punk was in the mafia on this night. Did you know that? I did. He had a gun and a trench coat. (laughs) CM Punk, what's up, baby? Why ain't no you like that? He's like that in these streets. He was. 
Right, they come out. They got the gun. Cena's got the big gun though, with the with the yeah. with the trench coat, <laughs> and his actually works. I with the gun. I don't think he could do that today. No, no, whatsoever. When I saw him do that, I was like, "Oh shit!" Like, with as many mass shootings if, we have in this if, country today, dude. If I was in the crowd, I'd be ducking. Right, you can't know, do that I, today. I don't know what, like, for all I know, is it Cena? Like. I'm sitting all the way up there. I don't know what the hell's going on. Right, and he's shooting off a fake Tommy gun. What? Jeez. They would not dare do this today. I mean, 06 isn't that long ago. I'm surprised they kind of did it. Man, it might as well you know? be a different lifetime, bro. It's true. I mean, maybe I shouldn't say that long ago, but society, definitely different. Definitely yes, different. For sure. Uh, I noted here, though, that the costuming on this show for the entrances were dope. And this is like one of the first times I really recall them doing that when it comes to the headdress from Mysterio mm-hmm. or Triple H's garb with like he's looking like Conan the Barbarian. I seen it in the trench coat. Like those little things like that. I was like, that's kind of dope. And it was to make for action figures one day that they're going to sell. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I and mean, they, and people continue yeah. to do that. They'll have like themes for their entrances now. It's not just to get big pyro now right, right. or like, you know, they wear different gear. No, now they have a whole theme. Like Triple H had that Game of Thrones theme like, at WrestleMania 30. You know, New Day had the Bootios box. Like they have yeah. themes to their entrances now. <laughs> you know, like and it's cool. And I'm I can't wait to see what people are gonna do on this weekend. But we got to do a podcast one day about the best entrances in yes. WrestleMania history. This Cena entrance will probably not be on my list. <laughs> uh, if it is on any list, it'd be very low. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a wild one because I just don't like the messaging of the mafia stuff. Let's not pretend <laughs> that they weren't breaking the law. Right? Let's not pretend like that. All right. Uh, you wouldn't do that for like the Bloods or the Crips or something like that. So, you know, obviously this is 2006. So I'm not going to touch on it anymore anyway. But I just, you know, it was weird. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, Triple H again getting cheered. He's looking like Harley Race out there with his mustache and Love stuff like it. that. Uh, Lillian Garcia, she came with the nicknames for the intros. Mm. She came the King of Kings, the Cerebral Assassin, Triple H, and then Cena. He's the reigning defending champion. It's a Doctor of Thugonomics. <laughs> yeah, which you know, <laughs> that. I guess he still was, but not really. <laughs> not anymore. His doctorate has been revoked. <laughs> Unfortunately, um, except for that one year at WrestleMania when he came back as the Doctor Thugonomics that one time. Um, but this might have been the very first again. Let's go, Cena! Cena! Cena sucks! Chant in history. Um, and I wrote around this point like the Cena took a lot of crap from fans throughout his career, and it seemingly never broke him at least outwardly. We could never tell that Cena was flustered nope. by the chants and everything going opposite the way that they intended. He just kept rolling with it. That could have ate a man at a man's ego for sure. Really, it could have ate at a man's ego and his insecurity. It's like Homelander. You don't love me. You should love me, <laughs> right? I, I just saw. Oh, was it the rivals, or uh, it, it was one of the AD bios that somebody came backstage and Michael Hayes had approached them and because they had been booed. Ah, oh, man. Now I've oh, I just watched it. And I want—I I don't want to say it wasn't Cena, but it might not have been Cena. But it just reminded me of that, where, like, as soon as you get backstage, anyway, they're gonna be like, "We know more. We know more than they do out there. Don't let their reaction, you know, mess with you." And I could honestly see them doing the same thing in that, the grill position whenever he goes back there. The last like, the the months before this, every single time he gets booed, they're like, "Yo, just stay true to yourself." 
they'll come around eventually. I mean, <laughs> they did it not. took them way long to come <laughs> around on John Cena. It took them a whole decade to come around on John Cena, but um, you know, it kind of reminded me of that. And I, I wish I remembered which or where I saw that, but it was on one of the AD bios yeah. uh, or the rivals uh, thing. So it just uh, this is definitely I see them doing that around this time for Cena. So it just. He, probably knew that the company was behind him 100 percent. right and he was just unflappable like i said it just at least on camera it felt that way yeah also among the crap that he got was that this narrative that he couldn't wrestle yeah my god what are we talking about here i mean like you see these shoulder blocks and these stupid little punches the five knuckle shuffle like i get i get why people didn't no we have to i think people will be hella hard on him i mean come on he he added to his repertoire with time and he got better with time don't get me wrong but i do think that people were really tough on him. It's not like he was in his position too soon. He was ready for this spot. When you watch SmackDown in 04, he was the hottest thing. Period. It was his time to be in this position. He grew and matured into a top guy with time, and which should not be a huge surprise. Okay? Everyone along the way thought Cena was going to be a star. And OVW and SmackDown and all that, they all thought that Cena was going to be a star one day. The only people... <laughs> that didn't go that went nah were the fans which good yeah, look fans are the final judge at the end of the day but those same fans were going crazy for cena at wrestlemania 20 and 21 yeah so like what changed i don't know it's just i guess a fickle nature of fans and then they acted like triple h was like the god's gift to wrestling i didn't know triple h was dynamite kid all of a sudden <laughs> He didn't have the the most vast array of arsenal moves in his arsenal neither. I liked look, and this is a Triple H fan here talking, but he always did the knee drop. He did the, yeah. the Harley race knee lift. Like he has his his certain moves that he does. Doesn't mean he's bad at it. It's just let's not act like he's like Brian Danielson out here. You know, like he's the face of, face of like technical wrestling. Like come on, I don't like that. Uh, but as far as the match itself, this match was great. This was way better than I remembered. Far better. And it was helped, I will say, it was helped by the fact that Jim Ross was on the call. Which I agree with Vince McMahon yeah. <laughs> on that decision. Okay? Vince, JR made this match, helped make this match better. Okay? Uh, Triple H at one point did the, the DX cross chop. Another harbinger of things to come in 2006. Uh, he used a sledgehammer on Cena, but the referee was too weak to count Cena out. Mm. <laughs> Again, like the referee's so groggy, but he's <laughs> able to stop on a whim right. once he sees that shoulder come off the mat. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that hand does not touch the mat a third time. You better believe. Unbelievable. Better believe that. Uh, I love that Cena who wins the match, obviously, but he won with the STFU. Just to show fans, he had another move in his Uh-oh. arsenal. He had stuff. <laughs> he just didn't always break it out. He even reversed the pedigree to get to the STF. Mm. And the fans were stunned. They had no idea Cena had that even in them. <laughs> right? <laughs> and it was a great, like, again, a yeah, great like, match. that John Cena costume? <laughs> <laughs> right. But the fans were into it. Regardless of whether they liked Cena or whether they disliked him, they were cheering. They were saying they were making noise. Which is what Cena always brought to the table. They were always reacted. And they were never indifferent to him. Which was, look, that's good. It's, it's, it's unique for a babyface to have that mix of reaction, but he got reactions. Uh, and I just I just always thought Cena got a bad rap around his time. I thought he got, the people were too harsh on him. Uh, 
because it wasn't like again he wasn't ready for the spot he was we all loved him <laughs> like we all made him ready pretty much it's just you know take it easy it'll be all right it's not Shawn michaels not everybody's gonna be Shawn michaels bro i keep saying that not everybody's gonna be that so and there's again, that i mean the it basically the the crowd proved why Cena was in the main event that night because uh, they didn't they weren't quiet pretty much I'd say ninety percent of the match that's what I'm saying you know, they were going like, crazy the whole they match were reacting the whole time you mean to tell me you listen to that match and think Cena's not a star right. Cena's not going to be in more main events look at you you're standing up <laughs> <laughs> you're on your feet that means something that means something regardless of how you feel you are at attention right now so that is wrestlemania 22 we get the, the highlight video package as we go off the air stuff we literally just saw <laughs> we don't need to watch it again um but that is wrestlemania 22 nick final thoughts on wrestlemania 22 as we wrap up episode 358 of the pod a uh, lot better than i remember uh a definite WrestleMania feel, even though it was in an arena, uh, it looked like a WrestleMania, felt like a WrestleMania. Uh, no huge title changes, I guess. Like Mickey James being Trish was a big deal. Uh, Ray obviously winning the title was a big deal, but I expected the biggest deal to be Triple H winning and John Cena retaining in the main event was quite a surprise, I think, to a lot of people. Um, and, you know, it, it was obviously the right move. You know, like it gave Cena, cemented him as the guy in WWE that they're going to stick by him regardless. Uh, yeah. Just push through. Like you, you keep coming out, stay healthy, give out these performances in the main event, you're our guy. And, uh, you know, Batista, unfortunately, couldn't be that guy because he had already gotten hurt by this time. So, you know, they, they I, get, I don't want to say they didn't trust him, but they, you know, if they picked between Batista and and John Cena, a year ago, you would have been like, okay, Batista's the face of WWE. But nah, it, it was John Cena, and it, it was John Cena for a decade plus. And, you know, kudos to him for, uh, you know, night in and night out. Coming in, do, doing his job. Uh, I, th I think this was really the beginning of that John Cena. You know, not the Chris Jericho feud John Cena when he just came over to Raw. Not the Kurt Angle feud, John Cena. Not even the John Cena that lost to Edge, uh, you know, when Edge cashed in the money in the bank. I think this was the beginning of the John Cena, uh, Hall of Fame type John Cena career. Uh, and to give him a ton of credit for that, because that can't be easy, like hearing the crowd no. like that. Like, this is finally your moment, and they turn on you within months. Right. That's what I'm saying. That can eat know? at your ego and your insecurity, Absolutely. which we all have. We all Absolutely. have our ego. We all have insecurity. And especially when you're in that type of spotlight and you're used to having thousands of people cheering you. And wherever you go, everybody loves you. And all of a sudden, you're doing the same things you've been doing. If anything, you feel like, oh, I might be getting better. <laughs> like, I got my own merch. My theme music is dope now. Like, it's me on the song. People was rocking with it. And all of a sudden, they not. And it's like, what now? Yeah. What you I, the, you're he, almost like, what did I do wrong? And right. it's really you kind of didn't do anything wrong. They're, they're, <laughs> right. they, just, they, they want something different, but um, it's more, you know, the maybe it's Vince McMahon's booking, man. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Maybe Vince McMahon's like, booking. John Cena, you're you're not you're not the John Cena we fell in love with, so that's why we're turning on you. Like, get back. Same thing with Roman Reigns. Like, it did. 
what Roman Reigns became wasn't what the fans started loving about Roman Reigns. Yeah. That's why the fans eventually turned because like we don't want you the happy, smiling guy. We want you to be what you were and we'll cheer for you even if you're a badass. I mean, that's the Stone Cold Steve Austin type thing. We'll cheer for you. Just stay that way, you know, and, and you don't have to change. But obviously, you know, we're, we're in a business where it's mostly, you know, I guess, the – family business still so you want kids to not necessarily you know cheer guys being edgy and stuff like that too so you want them to be like a, a smiling you know good guy that you're like that's nice but you know you, then you have those vocal fans that take over a pay-per-view and they just i mean i i guess the good thing is they're vocal and they're not just like sitting on their hands so you gotta you know think about that too I don't know. Kudos to John Cena for being, being the man. John Cena, you know, being the man. We we'll see him again this weekend at WrestleMania. Can't wait to watch it. Opening the show went from the that's main right. event to now opening the show. Yeah. But again, I think that's an important spot. Uh, so that means something. But it's that's pretty cool that he's in that spot after all these years. But Nick, time to wrap it up for this here episode. So please take us out with some plugs. Could check me out on Twitter at underscore Pacone and check us out at the Shooters Pod on Twitter or on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Shooters Pod. You can catch me at phillyinfluencer.com, foxphlgambler.com. Check out the WrestleMania Roundtable. It'll be podcasted at foxphlgambler.com. Yep. Uh, under, you know, the line change with John Jansen. You know, if, that, if Let's you're looking go. for it, that's where it will be. That was so a lot of fun. Click, click on podcast, the line change with John Jansen. And you'll see the WrestleMania roundtable. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. That's going to uh, air momentarily as yeah. we uh, as, <laughs> as we, we finish this. our recording here uh, here on Friday afternoon. But my name is Vaughn Johnson. Oh, I'm on Twitter at Vaughn M Johnson. I should say you know my name right? <laughs> at this point, but you may not know my handle at Vaughn M Johnson on Twitter. You can find us on Patreon, Patreon.com/slash The Shooters Pod. You can put in requests like Chris Johnson did for WrestleMania 22. We fulfill it. And he made a cameo on the show earlier. You can do the same thing. Patreon.com slash the shooters pod. But until next time, for Nick Pacone, I am Vaughn Johnson. Thanks for listening to episode 358 of the Straight Shooters. We will catch y'all again next week and enjoy watching WrestleMania for the next two days and all the other shows around WrestleMania weekend. Enjoy them all. Have a good weekend. We'll see y'all next time. Listen to the Straight Shooters. This is Donnie Wahlberg from WrestleMania 10. And you listening to Vaughn Johnson and Nick Pacone at the Straight Shooters, y'all.